0: For your support, it's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith, Thursday, May twenty fifth, twenty seventeen it's bring your pirate daughter to work day i'll explain in a minute to open up God's word to compare and contrast with the most popular pastors, preachers, teachers, conference speakers, self-proclaimed prophets, prophetesses, self-appointed apostles and apostlelets and those generally put forward by the evangelical industrial complex as those who we need to be listening to, whose books we need to be buying and whose small group curricula apparently we need to be studying instead of the word of God. Yep, that's how that works out. And over and again, we demonstrate that what's being taught out there is far from what God's Word says, that the steady diet of uh, teaching that people are receiving in the name of God actually is not authorized by God, it's not biblical, it's not what Scripture says or even means, and there's a whole lot of scratching of itching ears going on out there. And so this is a teaching work, and we try to have a little bit of fun along the way. Now, like I said at the opening of the program, today is uh, bring your daughter to uh, to work yeah, I'd like to introduce uh, today my youngest daughter, uh, Faith. Say hello. 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 <laughs> now, uh, many of you have actually heard Faith in the past on Fighting for the Faith. She is one of the voices that we use in our Max Holiday sketches. In fact, she's her most famous for uh, one particular uh, character. Uh, would you uh, tell us about her?
1: Well, Mildred lives alone with her cat Fluffles. And her favorite thing to do is knitting and watching Game of Thrones.
0: Got it. (laughs) I'm sure that Gary Sunshine does not approve of that second one. (laughs) So now uh, here at Fighting for the Faith, I've had uh, my son on the program. I've had my middle daughter, Christina, on the program. And so uh, we've been long. It's kind of like long overdue to have you actually sit in on an episode of Fighting for the Faith.
1: Maybe I might have complained once or twice. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you, you got to remember those third child, you know, third children, they don't, they don't like, we don't take photos of you or we don't have a baby book for you or anything like that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm the forgotten one.
0: <laughs> That's generally how that is. Basically. Well, so, uh, yeah, and so Faith, uh, just so you all know, she's uh, actually in college and uh, she's uh, a <clears throat> mathematics student. <clears throat> hang, on, hang on. I got to clear my throat. Yeah, and thinks we, it's a dark art. It, it is a dark art. It, she's a mathematics student at the University of North Dakota. So uh, yeah, so but uh, she's you know been very helpful in the past with uh, fighting for the faith and pirate Christian radio. In fact, we're working on uh, getting out some new Max Holiday sketches. And so this is actually a good uh, good day for you to be in studio. Um,
1: yep, sneaky Squids. Yeah, that's
0: right. We, we've we've uh, in fact we've come up with a uh, kind of like a three part story. Uh, max Yoke. holiday that we're working on regarding the sneaky squid spirit and so today in the first break will be the uh, you know the first ever hearing of this you know part one of the sneaky squid spirit saga in the max holiday uh rotate <laughs> the rotation
1: we got that shipped in from indiana just the other day <laughs> right
0: exactly so <laughs> But uh, so, uh, anyway, she's she's gonna you know, although she's listened to the program you know many times. In fact, you're you're an avid listener, and you've you've introduced other people, like you know your coworkers and people like that.
1: Oh yes, I have my um my small little outreach ministry, I guess you could call it. Um, it's it's sometimes difficult to talk to people when they're like, oh yes, look at this weird thing, and I'm like, oh oh yes, and I'll give my opinions, and then eventually things. Turn religious one way or another, <laughs> it's kind of strange.
0: Yeah, so uh, you 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 are kind of like the uh, the the North da- uh, Grand Force North Dakota evangelist. Obviously, yeah. Plus, uh, you you always text me when they have some interesting Jesus junk for sale. Yes.
1: Okay. So just the other day, I was in Hobby Lobby, and I texted you. I texted you this. Um, I think you were eating dinner, um, but it said it was it was you know you're made for a God sized dream on a little calendar thing at Hobby Lobby. You always see this stuff at
0: Christian stores. Yeah. So I'm <laughs> uh, so how, how what what size is a god sized dream?
1: Um I imagine that it's a little bit um bigger than a than a than like a grand slam at McDonald's or something.
0: Right. Okay. So I mean we, we need to let Mildred know this that she's made for a god size dream. <laughs> so
1: <laughs> I think that she wouldn't know what that means. <laughs> She'd be very intimidated.
0: Well, I don't. I don't even know what it means, <laughs> you know. And I've been to seminary and stuff. So anyway, all right. So let's talk about what we're going to do on today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. Aren't Yay! you excited? Yeah. Yes. So uh, we're going to begin with a money grubbing televangelist twin spin. Money grubbing televangelist twin spin. We're going to start with Jesse Duplantis. Jesse Duplantis has, um, well, he's received a direct revelation from God, from Jesus himself, and uh, we're going to note the story that he's going to tell us, and uh, in telling us this story, he's going to explain to us some a, a new doctrine, if you would. In fact, over at the uh, piratechristian.com website, piratechristian.com, we've launched a new section, and the new section is titled The, the Encyclopedia of of new charismatic and Pentecostal doctrines. And the name of this new doctrine, revealed to none other than Jesse DePlantis via direct revelation from Jesus himself, is the I-will-be-your-two doctrine.
1: I-will-be-what?
0: Yeah, the I-will-be-your-two doctrine.
1: Your-two-what?
0: Well, we, you have to listen. You know?
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. So
0: if, if That's you, how this works. Yeah, that's right. So, <laughs> the, it's, it's, so this is a new doctrine, the I-will-be-your-two doctrine. And Jesus is the one being our two and if that sounds confusing well don't worry i'm sure it'll all make perfect sense after we ex- we hear
1: i can't wait this
0: direct revelation from none other than jesus himself through the Prophet Jesse Duplantis. Wow! And then uh, part two of our money grubbing televangelist twin spin is this is a more difficult one. In fact, we don't normally use the more difficult ones in the first half of the first hour, but today we're gonna we're gonna try this. Uh, we're gonna be checking in with Joseph Prince. And he also has received a direct revelation from Jesus.
1: I guess they'll just happen, you know, commonly. Now. Yeah,
0: that's right. I mean, Jesus is talking to all these guys, yep. you know, you know, and whereas me, I mean, I, I, Got to do it the old fashioned way. Are they friends
1: with him on Facebook?
0: I think so. You because know, you remember the, you know, back a while ago. If you really love Jesus, you'll be my. You'll you'll oh, say yeah. yes to this friend request. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think they said yes, and I I Maybe said no. Maybe they got enough likes. The, yeah, right. So yeah, but uh, anyway, Joseph Prince is going to be giving us a prophetic interpretation of 1 John chapter 4, verse 17 and uh, the word the words in particular that we will be focusing in on as he is that's jesus as jesus is so also are we in this world so there mm-hmm. there's the phrase and uh, so we're going to learn prophetically from jesus himself through joseph prince what that word the, what that phrase really means.
1: But it's just the one verse, right? Nothing else.
0: And no, it's not even the whole verse.
1: Oh, okay. So
0: it's, <laughs> it's just the phrase, as he is, so also are we in wow. this world.
1: Wow, that's, that's deep.
0: Yeah, so out of context. but uh, <laughs> But don't worry. Jesus talks to Joseph Prince. Everybody knows that. And the way you can tell... It's because his hair is so cool.
1: Oh, gosh. You no, know, that's my favorite way to read books, though, is just, you know, read half a sentence and then throw the book out the window.
0: Yeah, the, everybody does that. Yeah, <laughs> with, uh, you know, Lord of the Rings, whatever your favorite novel is. Lord of the Flies. Right, you know, exactly. Farm. Just, just randomly jump in at any point, read half a sentence, and... And then claim direct revelation and to know what it means. I'm Uh, sure you'll get an A on any of your papers nowadays.
2: All
1: the time, all the time in college.
0: Yep. And then we're going to uh, head over to Sid Roth's It's Supernatural as he he is speaking to his special guest, Hank Kuhneman. Apparently he's a prophet, and uh, we've got to hear the latest word of the Lord for this season uh, through the prophet uh, Hank Kuhneman. And then we're going to uh, listen to eighteen a taint. Teen, a teen, I can't even pronounce this guy's name. A ten a Blom, and uh, we're heading over to Living Grace Church in Toowoomba, Australia, and uh, we're gonna listen to part of this message where he claims that he actually had a you know a, a visitation with Jesus
1: again. Yeah, the, another
0: one. Uh, another one. Wow. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm totally like missing out. And uh, <laughs> then in hour number two, we're gonna try to come back down to planet Earth. And uh, <laughs> we're gonna <laughs> we might not make it. Yeah, we're gonna head over to South Bay Church as we listen to Andy Wood literally take the story of Joshua and turn it into some kind of a leadership principle text. Josh, the, Joshua? Yeah, this you know, from the book of Joshua. Yeah. Yeah. So. But, yeah, so ugh. that that will be today's episode of Fighting for the Faith, and of course. As usual, we strongly recommend that you make yourself comfortable. We got a lot of ground we need to cover. Fuzzy bunny slippers do enhance your listener experience. Want to let two you pairs myself? Yeah, uh, that's right, that's right. <laughs> so we, we, we have extensive laboratory, it's, you know, results that show that. By wearing fuzzy bunny slippers, they do enhance your listener experience since we're going to be. Yeah, 13%. 13%, (laughs) Wow, okay. So we even have a number now. But um, (laughs) since we're going to be doing a money grubbing televangelist twin spin, that requires us to do this.
3: Don't want no loving. Don't want no kissing. Don't want no gal to call me honey. Don't want my name in the Hall of Fame. Just want a big fat pile of money <laughs> Give me that almighty dollar For that lettuce, hear me holler Give me buckets full of ducats Let me walk around and waller in Mazuma. My wanna be a millionaire give, give me, me money, 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 money I want that green ammunition That's the stuff for which I'm wishing Fill my closets with deposits I'm a demon in addition Give me shackles, give me facels Let me see their smiling faces Money, 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 money. Wanna get me a suit That's made out of ooze and whistle to wear it and green. I got that monetary itis, like be just liking Midas. Want that golden touch, is what I mean. Give me that old double eagle. Want that tender that is legal and financially substantially. Any sum I can inveigle. Want a living regal splendor for that loving legal tender. Money, 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 money. money. <laughs> All
0: right, that's uh, Dr. Teeth and money, 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 money. So, uh, we're going to be listening to uh, Jesse Duplantis. And he's going to be regaling us, well, with a story that uh, apparently he was recently in his study. And as he's wont to do while in his study, he he was having a conversation with Jesus. And the, the conversation with Jesus steered into, well, a proper understanding of Matthew chapter 18, verse 19. You know, where Jesus says... And this is from the King James. Again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. And see, this is a standard proof text within the uh, word of faith heresy. That, you know, see, you, you just got two or more agreeing on something and blammo! You, you, God's going to give it to you. But the, the, But then again, you got the thorny issue. I mean, so there you are. And the thing you really want is, uh, well, a fifty million dollar yacht.
1: Hey, there's two of us. We can agree on that. We right, can, right now. We can agree on it. Yeah. Okay, ready? Three, two, one. Agree.
0: <laughs> is Wonder, it there twin, yet? Wonder Twin Powers activate. <laughs> form of a bucket of water. <laughs> anyway, so so apparently you just need two people to agree. But what happens if you don't have somebody that? is there to agree with you. I mean, like if I went to my wife and I said, we, we need to agree on this. We need a $50 million yacht.
1: <laughs> <laughs> She'd be thrilled. <laughs> no,
0: I don't think so. <laughs> She'd look at me like, what are you, what is going wrong? We we need to take you and have your head checked. Anyway, she, so she wouldn't agree with me. I'm just saying. So if you if you're in a situation where like, you know, your spouse wouldn't agree with you and you need somebody to agree with you regarding the $50 million yacht, well – good news uh jesse DePlanis has had a conversation directly with jesus himself goodness. so this co- i mean this comes all the way from the top and uh and if you are <laughs> lacking if you're lacking a two <laughs> well don't worry jesus will be your two here's jesse oh. duplantis to explain
4: <laughs> well i was in my uh um, study and
5: i
6: was just saying, lord and he said what I said, you said in Matthew chapter 18, and the Lord always does this to me. He said, what did I say, Jesse? Tell me what I said. He loves me to tell him what he says. You know what I'm saying? Tell me what
4: I said. And I said, you said that if two, in Matthew 18, I believe 19, you said, if two of you on earth agree as touching. And before I could finish, he said, I'll be you two.
6: I said, what? He said, I'll be you two. He said, Jesse, you don't need to look for another person. I'll be you, too. How many of you believe in God for something? I'll be you, too. You ain't got to look any further. I'll be you, too, man. My God,
7: if two of us believe, we can get anything you believe.
0: Wow. All right. We're going to. Oh, man, we're just months away, maybe days, hours away from a fifty million dollar yawn. We agreed, right? And see, well, see, you and I agreed. Yeah. But then Jesus was a two, also. So that's three.
1: Yeah. You what know? if we get a three? Right, He's and third s- and, now. and
0: that's right. You see, you know, a cord of three can't is not easily broken. <laughs> so. Does Mm.
1: Jesus always talk like that? I'll be your two.
0: (laughs) To Jesse Duplantis he does, apparently. Okay. Now, of course, the question comes up is, what is this text actually talking about? It is
1: a good question. Now,
0: the three rules that we apply here at Fighting for the Faith for sound biblical exegesis are context, context. And
1: egg salad sandwich.
0: No, no, and context. (laughs) The the three rules are egg salad sandwich, that's afterwards. That's part of the... The afterglow portion oh. of fighting for the faith, okay. yeah. yeah. So, um, so the question is, when we look at Matthew eighteen, verse nineteen, what's what is the context in which Jesus is talking about this? And and so the idea here is that if you want to properly understand God's word, you know, it would help if you put things back in context so you can kind of see what Jesus is talking about. Is is this the passage where Jesus is saying if you want a fifty million dollar yacht? You just need two or more people to agree. Yes. No, it's not.
1: (laughs) I think we might have to actually (gasps) open up
0: a Bible. Yeah, I'm going to send you back to Sunday school, (laughs) you know, if you keep this up. Anyway, so here's what it says in Matthew 18, starting at verse 15. This will give us the context. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. Now, a a little bit of a note here. Jennifer Leclaire recently invoked Matthew 18 and said that her critics, those who are critiquing her regarding the sneaky squid spirit, that they have not reached out to her privately to to you know to address the sneaky squid spirit doctrine, and okay. therefore they have run amiss, have run afoul of the Matthew 18 principle of how to deal with this. But here's the issue: it's Jesus says if your brother sins against you, yeah. Yeah, and see, when somebody sins against you, that's different than when somebody sins publicly by teaching false doctrine in the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. The person who teaches false doctrine publicly is to be rebuked publicly, and never in church history, especially in the early church, when a uh, false teacher was teaching false doctrine, did they sit there and wring their hands and go, oh, man, we can't say anything about this until we do the Matthew 18 approach. (laughs) <laughs> it's like nope, that's not how that works. So the idea here is is that Matthew 18 does not apply to a false teacher who's publicly teaching false doctrine. They are to be rebuked publicly, they are to be warned against publicly. And if think of it this way, if the Matthew 18 approach were in effect when it comes to false teachers, then then you, the idea would be it's like there's no way to actually address of the, the issue of false teaching because they can just stonewall you. Yeah, well, they haven't approached me. They haven't talked to me. Well, did you take their call? No, I won't take their calls. Yeah, I uh, am. Yeah. You, know, so, you know, so if your brother sins against you, like they lie about you, they you know, things like that, they do something to hurt you, you go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you've gained your brother. If he does not listen, take one or two others along with you so that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses, and you're thinking, well, this doesn't have anything to do with getting a yacht, exactly. This, <laughs> that's the context here.
1: I so, thought it was in the uh, the, the annotations down it, below. No, it's not.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not even in the in between portion of the verses. So if he refuses to listen to them, you then tell it to the church, and if he refuses to listen even to the church. Let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. So this is the passage dealing with church discipline. Important to note here. How did Jesus teach Gentiles and tax collectors? Well, the unbelievers, he called them to repent, to be forgiven of their sins, you know, and to believe and trust in Christ. And so, and then bear fruit in keeping with repentance. That's kind of the idea here. So truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now that language should sound familiar because earlier when Jesus uh you know asked the disciples who do people say that I am, right? Peter says you are the Christ the son of the living God. And Jesus says, you know, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And then he basically, you know, says you are Peter on this rock I will build my church the gates of hell will not prevail against it whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. This has to deal with the doctrine of what is known as the office of the keys. This has to do with that peculiar authority that Christ has given to the church to forgive and retain sins, to announce to people who are penitent believers in Jesus that their sins are forgiven, to announce to those who persist in sin and unbelief, and are those believers who refuse to repent when they are sinning, That uh, their sins are being retained by God as a result of it. So that's the context here. And then verse 18, again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything, they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven, where two or three are gathered in my name. There I am among them. Now, in this particular context, this is not in the context of decreeing and declaring that I want a, you know, a Maserati. I want, uh, you know, uh, a private island in the Bahamas and a fifty million dollar yacht. That, that's not what this is talking about. This is talking about, uh, well,
1: yeah, it's like pastoral. You know, you know, you buying their sin and then at the thing. Exactly. Yeah. So, yes, it's pretty straightforward.
0: Yeah, So this is in the context of church. Discipline. Besides,
1: you'd think that the apostles would have used that like a bunch. They would have been like, right. oh, now we're millionaires. Paul's like, oh, we both agree. I don't have any more like health issues.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> and that didn't happen to the apostle Paul. He had a thorn in the flesh. that, And he asked Christ to take it away from him. And Jesus says, you know, my strength, uh, my grace is sufficient for you. And my strength is made perfect in weakness.
1: If we had all these abilities, we would be everyone, – everyone before us is the most unimaginative of everyone because we have all these powers and we're like, daft. Yeah. We'll live normal lives. We'll go get murdered. It's cool. Right.
0: <laughs> so the one thing this passage doesn't mean is what Jesse Duplantis says that it means. <laughs> and Jesus then did not really say to Jesse Duplantis, I'll be your two. <laughs> I mean, we can kind of rule that out. I don't know who he was talking to, but the one person we're pretty sure he wasn't talking to was Jesus. Now, in that same vein, we're going to head over to uh, Joseph's uh, Joseph Prince's uh, you know, teaching podcast, and he's going to be teaching us that as Jesus is, so are you, that he has a direct prophetic insight as to what this actually means. And uh, let's listen into Joseph Prince as he also is claiming direct revelation from Jesus to understand a particular verse. Here we go.
6: Touch on the Lord at our Father's right hand and what that means to us today. In fact, we alluded to that towards the end of the sermon last week, and I want to continue that because during my trip, my recent trip, my working trip, actually, the Lord spoke to me in between the sessions. And the Lord said to me, I want to emphasize this truth more than ever.
0: All right, so notice here, like Jesse Duplantis, Joseph Prince is
6: claiming direct revelation from the Lord himself on how to understand a particular verse. I gave you this truth many years ago, and I want this restored to the body of Christ.
0: All right, so apparently God gave this to Joseph Prince, and he's made it very clear. This understanding of 1 John 4... Needs to be
6: restored to the body of Christ. Okay, what does it mean? And it's the truth of 1 John 4, 17. Okay. Let's go 1 John four seventeen. Love has been perfected among us. Now, I like this because this is the accurate um, rendition of the Greek. Your old King James says, Herein is our love, our, our love made perfect. Listen, friends, it's not about your, your love being made perfect. It is love has been perfected amongst us. Alright? Love has been perfected among us. In other words, God loves us. You look at the context before that. God loves you. Amen? And now God's love for you is culminated in your life. Amen? It's come to its completion. God sent His Son to die for our sins. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. How do we understand that God loves us completely? How? Because the Bible says we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Now I know that the day of judgment, there'll be a day of judgment. We say, Believers, don't go to judgment, Pastor Prince. There's something called the judgment seat of Christ. But I want you to know something, believers. You're not there to be judged. In fact, the word judgment seat of Christ, the word judgment doesn't appear in the Greek. It's called the Bema seat of Christ. If you all watched the Roman movies last time, ben and all that. You now, he, he's going somewhere with this. You know the place where the, the emperor gives the Stephanos, the crown, to the winner? That place where the emperor stands to award is called Bema. Yes, Bema has been used also to execute and pass sentence, but the Bema seat of Christ is to give rewards. That, that's the primary uh, uh, meaning of the Day of Judgment. But there's also a secondary application. There's a...
0: All right. Now, the secondary application is going to be where the, he's going to put the emphasis. He got this via direct revelation. Jesus himself showed him. But let's take a look at the verse before we go to our break. And we'll see if we can figure out what's going on here. And so, we're going to start, again, our three rules for Sound Biblical Exegesis are context, context, and context. And we're going to be in 1 John chapter 4. It's verse 17 that is in question. And let's back up into 13 and take a look at what's going on, and then we'll consult something like a good study Bible. The Lutheran Study Bible is a fantastic study Bible to see what the note says uh, regarding verse 17. But here's this, verse 13. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. So, also are we in this world. So, you'll notice, okay, so there's our context that this is talking about a confidence in the day of judgment, and that is because we are saved by grace through faith. And this is not by works, it is the gift of. Of God, And so this is talking about abiding, having confidence on the day of judgment. But the question is, what does it mean then when it says that as he is, so also are we? I mean, Jesus is a lot of things. He's a lot of things. All right. So Jesus right now, I mean, he is in glory and he shines brighter than the sun. So, I mean, uh, no, I'm not shining. (laughs) You know, so that's... Not how, what it means, you know, how he is. And, you know, he is God. Does that mean I'm God? No, that's not what's going on here. So, I mean, so what what is it referring to when it says, as he is, so also are we? Well, in the context, you can say that as we are God's children by adoption through faith in Jesus, who became our brother so that we might be children of God. Every believer is by God's grace a perfect and righteous child of God and there is no fear of judgment. So as Jesus is a perfect and righteous child of God, we too are also because of God's grace perfect and righteous children of God and there that is the reason why we have no fear of judgment because in the context itself is that you know it's talking about confidence for the day of judgment, not having fear on the day of judgment. And the reason for that is because we, like Jesus, are righteous children of God. We and have... this
1: is specifically talking to Christians. Exactly. And, and exactly. when it says, you know, so also are we, we are both sinner and saint. And there's that whole dichotomy. Yep. And
0: so w- the question is, what is what is Joseph Prince saying that this is about? Well, we're not gonna find out yet, just yet. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna take our first break and during our first break, we will be introducing uh, for the very first time our first installment of the sneaky squid spirit episodes hmm. of the max holiday uh franchise so uh let's go ahead and go to our first break if you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of fighting for the faith you can do so my email address is talkback at fighting for the faith.com or you can subscribe on facebook facebook.com forward slash christian. follow me on twitter my name there at christian. quick break when we come back, we'll finish up with Joseph Prince. We will also be hearing from Hank Kuneman as well as I can't even pronounce this guy's name. Something Blom. Stay tuned; don't want to miss it. We'll be right back.
2: If you want advice
8: on how to have your best life now, you are in the wrong place. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith.
5: Listening to Pirate
7: Christian Radio. We'll be taking your false doctrine now.
5: <laughs> Max
7: Holiday's Bird Cage Seater presents.
3: And it
7: would seem that there have been an unprecedented number of churches that have Mysteriously sunk into the earth over the last two weeks. Authorities within the church have made the claim that this is the work of what they're calling the sneaky squid spirit. Scientists have analyzed the phenomena and have made some shocking discoveries. It turns out that Pastor Chuck Pierce accidentally opened up multiple heavenly blessing portals simultaneously. By doing so, he unwittingly ripped a hole in the fabric of space-time so large that the sneaky squid spirit simply fell through the leaking, bulging sound membrane. Authorities have offered a $1 million reward to anyone who can stop it. Well, hello there. Welcome to MacGuffins. Uh, what can I do for you today? Hi, uh,
2: I was wondering what supplies you had in stock that would help me fight the paranormal...
7: Well, uh, see, what we got here. We uh, we got rock salt, shotgun rounds, uh, PKE meters, EMF readers, hexes, spells, salt hula hoops, <laughs> demons, summoning coloring books, crucifixes, and holy water, amongst other things.
2: Do you carry the Grimoire of Modern Prayer?
7: Not since it was outlawed by the Geneva Convention. Sorry, bummer. I uh, I noticed it looks kind of empty in here. Well, business has been booming as of late. Uh, are you going after that sneaky squid, what, whatchamacallit?
2: Yeah, as a matter of fact. I, what, what would you recommend for tackling this beast?
7: Well, none of the items here are going to work against that monstrosity. If I were you, I'd buy Los Lobos Ministry's latest invention. What's that? Well, it's right here in the summer catalog. It is a um, laser-guided... Sneaky Squid Spirit Homing Nuclear Missile. Great, I'll take one. Uh, sorry, uh, we're, <clears throat> we're fresh out. Fresh out? Then
2: why'd you even mention
7: it? Well, if you want to order one right now, I could have it here for you in about... 11 weeks. No, I, I need something today. Well, there is one thing I can tell you. What the heck is this? Glory Sprinkles. Glory sprinkles? That's what I said. Is there an echo in here or something? No, I heard
2: you. It just sounds more like a breakfast cereal than a paranormal weapon. They look like Lucky Charms. They're more like
7: Fruit Loops, actually.
2: This is really the best you got? Afraid so. How am I even supposed to use these? Well,
7: uh, there's instructions on the bag.
2: Use two or three handfuls to throw directly onto the sneaky squid spirit. Do not inhale or ingest. If ingestion occurs, please see your local position for treatment immediately. Must be 18 or older to purchase. All right. Glory sprinkles it is, then. Happy squid hunting.
7: Will Dylan kill the sneaky squid spirit? Will Chuck Pierce be held accountable for his crimes? Learn all of this and more on the next thrilling episode of The Sneaky
5: Squid Spirit Trilogy!
0: Warning, listening to Fighting for the Faith could cause you to think that those claiming direct revelation from Jesus on how to understand verses in the Bible rather than paying attention to context and grammar are not telling you the truth. Just a reminder, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to the world. And you can partner with us by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com, when you get there, you'll see our two friendly yellow buttons. One says donate, the other says join our crew. When you join our crew, you're signing up to automatically contribute an amount that you choose. That's right. You get to pick your rank in our crew. Lowest rank is Powder Monkey at $9.95 a month. After that, Gunner's Mate at twenty four ninety five a month. And then from there, Master Gunner at $49.95 a month, and then quartermaster at ninety-nine ninety five a month. This is a great way to support our ministry. Of course, if you'd like to make a one time contribution you can do so by clicking on the Donate button, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith, and then send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208, and let me thank you for your support. We truly cannot do what we are doing here without it. A little bit of a note here, our conferences are coming up. If you're not registered, you definitely want to register. Um, Conferences are a great way to... Interact with me and different speakers and people involved in Pirate Christian Radio. And we have two conferences this year. One is in Australia on June 30th and July 1st. Details are on our website, FightingForTheFaith.com. Click on the conferences link, select Australia Conference, and you can register there. And then our uh, uh, 2017 PCR Conference in the United States, just like last year is at Kongsvinger Lutheran Church in Oslo, Minnesota, yeah that's just north of us, and uh, details on the conference dates who will be speaking by the way it's going to be myself, Amy spreeman, uh, Steve Kozar and Matthew Garnett. And uh, and we're going to be talking about really kind of the important topic of what can laymen, what can lay people do to defend the Christian faith. If you remember when I was exegeting through the book of Jude, we noted that Jude is a Catholic epistle. And I know every time you hear that word, you go, <laughs> Catholic, Catholic, not Roman Catholic, universal. That means it's written to all Christians, and that we are all called to contend for the faith. So uh, our conference this year is going to be talking and really focusing in on how can lay people, you know, participate in defending the faith, and what should we be defending the faith against? And so Amy Spreeman's is going to be talking about the NAR. Stephen Kozar has literally, <laughs> I talking Kozar, his uh, notes are they're pretty in depth. I mean, he's going to be doing an apologetic approach, talking about kind of like the history of irrationalism within evangelicalism within the United States. And uh, Matthew Garnett, I've given him free reign to talk about whatever he wants to talk about. He's a very well-educated uh, layperson and theologically astute and uh, and somebody who spent time in uh, American evangelicalism and is now grounded as, a, as firmly in, uh, in confessional Christianity. So that's what we're going to be doing. And uh, so you want to come, you want to hang out with us. Um, we purposely try to keep the size of our conferences small. That's right. That you, know, you will not see us filling a stadium or arena or sitting there and saying, "Hey, take a look. We've we've outgrown this venue and now we have a bazillion thousands of people." No, that's not what our conferences are about. <laughs> that's not it at all we understand that as you work through these issues and work through god's word and realize oh my goodness i may be actually attending a church where i'm not not being taught the truth where i'm being made merchandise of and you need to you need to sit down and ask questions and and uh and kind of rub elbows and you know you know all that kind of stuff that's the idea and i i I want to make myself available for that purpose you know i i'm not one of these guys who has you know you know a six man a security entourage and you can't touch God's anointed or anything like it's not it's not like that at all in fact it's the exact opposite small intimate group of people who are like minded with similar experiences is a great place for you to be all right so all of the details are on our website fightingforthefaith.com conferences and uh, and got to let you know spaces are filling up so if you want to attend this is the time to start registering. If you haven't already registered, you know, it's. this is one of those things that we have a cap on our small group. So, yeah, and of course, what was that?
1: Are you cor- going to kick me out if I forget to register? Forget to register?
0: Y- of course, yes. <laughs> and, and by the way, I mean, if you're wondering, well, what is there to see in uh, in Oslo, Minnesota? And, uh, um, flat. <laughs> if you've never seen Earth this flat, it, it's absolutely impressive. We I- have
1: the flattest Earth. It, and, <laughs> it, yeah, it's
0: it, it doesn't get any flatter than it is here, and it's so flat you can watch your dog run away for two weeks. So, yeah. all right, so let's get back to uh, what we were working on before the break, and we were listening to Joseph Prince. He's somewhat exegeting First John four seventeen, and we noted that it's talking about how we have confidence on the day of judgment. What is it that gives us confidence on the day of judgment? Well, we are adopted by by God into the family. We are now children of God by adoption, by what Christ has done for us and are you our saying
1: rede- I'm adopted? Yeah
0: that's right. I <laughs> you didn't know that? I no. So, what? <laughs> sorry, I, I, I didn't tell you, honey. Um, but yeah, you, you're you're adopted into the family of God.
1: Oh gosh, I just...
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, enough of your snarkiness. I don't know where you get that from. Obviously, no it's from your mother. Oh,
1: clearly. All right,
0: so uh, let's listen in a little bit more with uh, Joseph Prince and see where he, he's claiming this divine inspiration for how to understand
6: this text. From Jesus, day that comes in every believer's life where you are being tested where you are being tried. And don't think it's God all the time. The devil can try you. Men can try you. It's a day of you being scrutinized. The word judgment there is being scrutinized, being checked. It's a day of crisis. Amen. In fact, the word for, one of the words for judgment is crisis. Where you get crisis. It's a day of crisis. This is how you can have boldness in the day of Crisis. This is how you can have boldness in the day of adversity. Amen. Because as He is, as He is, so are we in this world. Now, I know it doesn't translate well in other languages, but this, in English, is the most powerful nine monosyllables. As He is, so are we in this world. If it said, as he was, it will be great enough. As he was when he was here. Now he's playing word games.
1: Yeah, he hasn't actually said anything yet. Yeah, now
0: no, no, notice here, okay, he's ignoring the real context of what's going on. And the transition now to his divine inspired understanding of this text is him playing around with the verb tenses a little bit. All right, we continue.
6: Cleansing the leper and stopping deaf ears, opening the eyes of the blind, raising the dead. If you say that He was it's good enough, but no, the Bible says the Christ that bore our sins, bore our diseases in His own body on that tree rose without them.
0: Yeah. Um. Now you're doing something weird. I said He rose without them. Amen. And the Father. So He rose without our diseases. Watch Did where He say goes. Rose? Rose, Rose, Rose. He's talking about his resurrection.
6: Set him at the right hand. The Father says, sit on my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Hallelujah. That means what? As every day pass, one more enemy under his feet. As each day pass, another enemy under his feet. All the enemies have been defeated at the cross, but they're all been gradually brought under Jesus' feet. He says, sit on my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. And the last enemy is physical death. Physical death has been conquered at the cross. But the last enemy is called physical death. It will be put under his feet. And that will happen in the rapture. We have a brand new body. Can I have a good amen? That would be a brand new body at the resurrection. So every day you can look forward to one more enemy under his feet. One more enemy
0: under your feet. Like now, all of this is a uh, preface. Wait till you get to the meat of it. This, yes. He's setting
6: them up. Other people. It's Amen. like getting better and better for the church. When I say church, I don't mean building, okay? I okay. mean all of you. All right. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Now, not only Christ sat down, don't forget, he sat down as us. Hebrews 9 says, he's now in the presence of God for us. In Greek, huper, on behalf of us. He's there on behalf of us. Amen. So we are seated with him. How about this? Have the same attitude that he has right now at the father's right hand. Have the same throne attitude. You know what's the attitude? Sit on my right hand until I make. The father told him, right? Sit. Faith, do you have a, a throne attitude?
1: Do I have a throne attitude? I think my cat does.
6: Okay. Sit on my right hand. Rest until I, the father, make your enemies your footstool. And you are in him. How about this? You still have those symptoms in your body. You still have those challenges besetting you. You still have those adversity, all right, screaming in your face. But the Father says to you, sit. You still have those symptoms?
1: I don't know.
0: Yeah, now he's slipping into the uh, divine health heresy. Oh,
6: gosh. Sit until I make all these enemies your footstool. Have the same attitude. I call it a throne attitude so that's a thrown attitude okay wait,
1: wait, wait. if he says sit until i do this isn't that what like that buddha guy did he sat under a tree yeah, until, until everything changed right yeah. yeah
0: you'll notice here <laughs> this has like nothing to do with the text in question he's off in the weeds already way off. yeah and this is the transition to kind of the um the the of the joke if you would but let's keep listening
6: a throne life attitude amen No. As he is, so are we in this world. So I I used to take this and, you know, I would say, I preach. As he is righteous, so we are righteous in this world. As he is under... Yeah, considering the context is talking
0: about not having fear and judgment, of course it's talking about righteousness.
6: God's unclouded favor, so are we in this world. As he's far beyond Satan, he's out of reach from Satan, so are we in this world. He can be prowling around, but a thousand... Yeah, he's pouring a lot more into this than oh, the context yeah. allows, yeah. Mm-hmm. A thousand can fall at our side, ten thousand at our right hand, You will not come near us. That must be our attitude. As he is, so are we in this world. Can I have a good amen? And then the Lord whispered to me one day many years ago.
0: No, 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 that's what he just said. It, it, it was a little bit broken English. He is from Singapore. He said, the Lord spoke to me many years ago. So this is the direct revelation part to give the fuller understanding Of this text that the context doesn't give. Here we go. Yep.
6: And said, son, push it. Who who says it's just your position with me? It does not qualify the statement. As he is in his health, so are you.
0: Um, what? In
1: his health?
0: Yeah, see, Jesus is really healthy right now.
1: <laughs> yeah, he has two holes. He has three holes. <laughs> yeah, well, those are the
0: scars. Not anymore. I mean, he's a new glorified body and everything. Yeah. So, so Jesus is really healthy. He doesn't get a cold or anything. He doesn't have cancer or anything he like that. He must take
1: a lot of airborne.
0: Right. No, he, he is, he's perfect
6: now. So oh, yeah. in this world, because the law says you're sharing his life. Life is where health, com- health is actually life. Take away the life. There's no health. Your body is just an empty corpse. So I began to preach that. And then one lady, the famous lady, this lady is such a blessing, her testimony has gone around the world. And it just takes one. And unbeknownst to me, that week she would go for a mammogram and the doctors were concerned with what they found. They found a growth in her breast, And then she took her report because she just heard a message. I've been preaching as Jesus is in His health. So are we in this world. Even if you have symptoms in your body, start confessing that. Amen? Tell the Lord, do you have this disease in your body? I said that in that sermon. And she said, she wrote a report, Jesus, do you have lumps in your breast? She showed me the report. She came back and showed me the report.
0: All right, so that's this is the this is the teaching that Jesus told him that as Jesus is in his health, so are we in the world. So because Jesus doesn't have lumps in his breast, <laughs> which is a weird way to talk about Jesus, the, because he doesn't have lumps in his breast, therefore we don't have lumps in our breasts either. So if the doctor tells you you have lumps in your breast, you say to Jesus, Jesus, do you have lumps in your <laughs> breast? Because one John four seventeen says, as you are so are we in the world, and that refers to hell.
1: That is way different than what I, where, I, where I could have imagined he was going to take this. That's uh, so much worse.
6: <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad, yeah. The next scan she went to, they found nothing.
0: Right, because, of course, Jesus doesn't have any lumps in his breast, so her scan had to be clean.
1: Well, then how did she get them in the first place if Jesus doesn't have them?
0: I don't don't. You
6: can't go there, <laughs> apparently. yeah. All right, so from that report has come so many reports that I do not know which one to read. You saw one just now, uh, the one from China. This couple they have been following my teaching. And she says that, uh, you know, she, they would do a diet. So it
0: has to be true because, you know, this lady no longer has cancer.
1: Obviously. I mean, I want to see yeah. those medical reports. Yeah,
0: that that proves, that proves that his divine interpretation of this text is true.
1: You know what this means, though, is that if you have a medical problem, it's your fault for not believing.
6: Right, clearly. That just- with this uh, condition that I, I don't even know how to pronounce it. They affect their their conception chances or the quality of the baby. But look at what they did. They confess as Jesus is, and Jesus doesn't have this condition. So are we in this world? And the Lord said to me recently, "Son, I want you to emphasize this in the area of healing."
0: See, Jesus specifically tells Joseph Prince he wants this emphasis of this verse, which is not even feasible from the context. To be an emphasis in the teaching around the world, this what G- Jesus is releasing right here. Yep. Uh, yeah. Divine interpretations, indeed. Yeah.
6: <sighs> more of my people need to hear this.
0: Yeah, God told him that straight up. More people need to hear this.
1: More people need to hear this.
0: Yeah.
6: I said more. More of my people need to hear this. One John four seventeen. In light of our healing.
0: Right. Yeah. And since he's twisting. God's Word, and literally no biblical exegete from the you know, from the time of the church's you know, coming into existence on the day of Pentecost until now has ever seen this in this verse, until Joseph Prince got the direct revelation from Jesus, and the context doesn't actually justify it, I'm 100% positive that it wasn't God who was speaking to Joseph Prince. I don't think it was. No, I, I don't think it was either, because, um, yeah... That's not what that verse is talking about. <laughs> All right, moving along. Time for a Prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Exchange Syndicate update. So let's do this.
5: Oh, hallelujah. Get up right there.
0: That's Robert Tilton and Hubabaconda. So we're heading over to Sid Roth's. Um, it's supernatural um, television program, and uh, we're going to be hearing from the uh, prophet. Uh, yeah, apparently prophet. Um, you know, Hank Kunneman. Uh, uh, latest, I mean, fresh. I mean, this is. Hot out of the oven fresh word of the Lord kinda. so
1: we had like one from years ago yeah. one a little bit of the past and right like fresh yeah see it's the like Bible itself
0: is the Bible is really stale it's really old
1: oh gosh Who wants to read this thing
0: yeah I mean so I mean we we, we got some fresh fresh stuff and Sid Roth has put a stamp of approval on this fellow and uh, and so let's uh, let's listen in as we get this fresh <laughs> word of the Lord here we go
5: oh, no bad. Thank um, uh Hank You told me that you had, uh, I don't know if it was a dream or a vision of you sitting at this desk and me asking you a question. Hank, so what do you see happening this year? This year. uh, I did see that uh, question being asked of you in my dream. And the Lord spoke in the dream. And here's what he said. He said, Hank, that is too limited. He said, I want to broaden the perspective of the people that they understand. It's not just what I'm doing this year, but what I'm doing in the now. Right. Yeah.
0: I I mean, yes, he limited perspective. I mean, see, it's not it's not enough to think about what God is doing this year.
1: Jesus put his arm around and be like, honey, you got to think bigger.
0: That's right. You got to be thinking about what am I doing in the now?
1: In the now.
0: In the now. Right.
1: He talks like that.
0: Right. Yeah. Clearly,
5: important in the now. Now the now can span through this year. Yeah. It can span through next year. The coming. That's a pretty long now.
1: It's always now.
0: Yeah. Come to think of it, that's true. Yeah. It, yeah. Because if if it's not now, then it's then. Yep. And if it's not yet now, then it's it's will be then. Yep. Yeah. But it's yeah. So it's always now. It's
1: always now.
5: Always. Here's when God moves in the now, here's how you know Jesus's first miracle, he turned water into aged wine, the best wine for last. It was accelerated time. It was also now that he moved and pre- Right, yeah, see, I, I,
0: I, I missed the whole, now. yeah, but see, that was then. Yeah. But when he did it, it was now.
1: <laughs> but then, yes. <laughs> <laughs> just getting <kidding> about stuff.
0: <laughs> I, the, <laughs> could you diagram the sentence
5: if I told you to?
1: I don't think so. Mom's an English teacher. I don't think she could.
5: Okay, all right. that ...to the governor of the feast, yeah. and it says that this is the beginning of miracles that Jesus did. Well, we know that it was the miracle in the now. It was accelerated time, but it was also the beginning of miracles, meaning that it hasn't stopped. In fact, I hear the Spirit of God say this, I am the God who moves in the now. No way!
0: Do do I need you? Do I need God yelling that at
1: me? God uses inside voice.
0: (laughs) Wow! (laughs) What, Hunter? I am the God who works in the now. Well, of course you have to work in the now because there's only now to work with. Oh gosh! (laughs) This is so weird.
5: Now my glory is coming. Upon this nation, the United States, and it's coming upon the nations of the earth, and it's coming fast, says the spirit. He, he looks like he's passing a kidney stone. <laughs> God, United States, you shall be united as what bears your name. Oh. And there is a move that shall change legislatively, and you will see that the...
1: <laughs> you need to let Trump know.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah, There's a <laughs> move that will change legislatively in the now, because you will be united says the says the says the now God right now okay
5: this day is soon to come upon you in the now for this is my plan says the Spirit of God thank you Lord thank you uh,
0: yeah I, I I don't think that was a prophecy I'm
1: imagined and seen
0: yeah that's right I mean mic drop boom yeah there it is God's the the now God wow he's working in the now. <laughs> What does it mean? That was utter gibberish. <laughs> oh,
1: something legislative.
0: Yeah, it means something.
1: I'm sure William Tapu will have a heyday. Right,
0: yeah, we'll, we'll get him right on it. Okay, <laughs> Okay. we're still under the Prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Exchange Syndicate, and uh, we're heading down to Living Grace Church in Toowoomba in Australia and uh, I can't even pronounce this fellow's name. Itane Blom. Uh, you know, just we'll, we'll call him Prophet Blom. You okay. know, you know, self-proclaimed Prophet Blom. And uh, you know, he recently he met face to face with Jesus.
1: Oh, oh, wow.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of people doing that. You know, all up in here.
1: Jesus Traveling plans do you think he uses United Airlines?
0: I know I don't think he does they they might take him off the oh plane yesterday. Yeah, we've seen the videos. Anyway, here's a 10 a 10A Blom. Here we go
4: Good Morning, My wife will tell you I'm up between two and three every morning to spend time with my Jesus I got up early and I sat in, in the word and spending time and at 10 to 6. I remember it clear that morning. I realized I had so many dreams, I had so many visions, and I could truly say, I slept in the palm of his hand. I really felt it. And I said,
0: so he felt like he slept in the palm of Jesus's hand. That's so weird. That's different.
4: Okay. Jesus, I stood up, I said, Jesus, I'm so sorry that I only do it now, but thank you. Thank you so much for the dreams and the visions and that I could sleep in your hand. And as I said that, suddenly in front of me, Jesus appeared. Uh, I thought
1: he was already in the palm of his hand.
0: Yeah, so Jesus appeared. So that's kind of awkward. So Jesus kind of like projected or something. From, so, so, he, so he's sleeping. A
1: disembodied hand. Yeah,
0: right. So Jesus took his hand off and then appeared to him. <laughs> okay, so Jesus appeared to you. Like okay, sprouted from
4: it. Ah! And his first words to me was, because you said, thank you. And he spoke to me. To me, it felt like a long time. It was probably a minute or two or three minutes.
0: So because he said, thank you for letting me sleep in the palm of your hands, then Jesus decided, because you said, thank you, I'm going to appear to you. You
1: never know the power of being polite.
4: Right. Okay. And he left. Needless to say, when Jesus appears to you, you will never be the same again.
0: Um, you know, uh, <laughs> where are we told to expect that? Um, uh, you know, I expect to see him when he returns in glory to judge the living, the dead. If I happen to die before, you know, he returns. Maybe w- if
1: you say thank you.
0: If I would just you see, that's my problem. I haven't said thank you so enough. So rude. I know. What was I thinking?
4: <laughs> and the next day, we had the next second night of crusades, and again, it was a glorious night. And again, we sat at the dinner table, and this time I suddenly heard the voice again, but this time he said, Etienne, do you think I can come and visit you again tonight?
0: So Jesus was being polite. Yeah, Etienne, that's a— probably- I don't
1: know if that was—I mean, he was at dinner. He invited himself to dinner.
0: Uh, right. Okay. I, you know,
1: after a long day of crusades and yeah, go in right. and for some lunch, you know?
0: Right, okay.
4: And immediately I got excited. Yes, Lord. And I stood up and I left.
0: Were there glory sprinkles?
4: <laughs> and I went to my room and as I entered my room, I immediately went back and I thought, Etienne, how arrogant can you be? Who do you think you are that Jesus would come two nights in a row and visit you? Most people do not even see him once in their life on earth. Who do you-
0: Is this a humble brag? This kind of sounds like a humble <laughs> brag
4: to me. think you are. You are so arrogant. And I went to bed and I got up early and I did not hear the voice of God. I sat for hours in the word and I sat and I prayed.
0: Yeah, so you read the word and you didn't hear the voice of God.
1: Jesus was rude. He didn't yeah. even show up. Yeah, but
0: how do you read the Bible and not hear the voice of God?
1: He wasn't reading it out loud.
0: Yeah, that, that's the issue. I
4: <laughs> and I tried, but I heard nothing. And that morning at 8 o'clock, I heard for the first time I heard his voice, and, his, and he said to me, why do you think I did not come and visit you? I said, Lord, I don't know. He said, because you did not trust me. I am God. If I want to, I can visit you every day. And then he said, from now on, your expectation must be to see me face to face every day. Tell that to the people. Mm,
0: So, yeah. I mean, so if you're not seeing Jesus face to face every day, well, you know.
1: Jesus is being straight-up savage. This is your fault. Yeah,
0: it's your fault. You you stink. Yeah, because you don't have enough faith to see me face-to-face, so that's why you don't got up
1: early for you, Jesus. What more do you want?
0: Right, and yet I I was thinking about uh, that text in John 14. Let me pull it up real quick. In John 14— Jesus talks about how he's going away, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so let me read this out, and um, you, you'll kind of see what I, where I'm going with this. Um, so uh, John uh, 14, verse 15, for our context. Jesus says, If you love me, you'll keep, you'll guard my commandments. I will ask the Father. He will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me, because I live. You will also live. In that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I in you, A little bit earlier in chapter 14, Jesus says to his disciples, "'Let not your hearts be troubled. "'Believe in God, believe also in me. "'In my Father's house are many rooms. "'If it were not so, I would have told you "'that I go to prepare a place for you. "'And if I go and prepare a place for you, "'I will come again and will take you to myself, "'that where I am you may also be, "'and you know the way to where I am going.' "'And Thomas said to him, "'Lord, we do not know where you are going,' How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also from now on. You do know him, and you have seen him. So Jesus makes it clear. He's going away.
1: Oh, my gosh, Dad. I just heard the voice of Jesus by, you know, reading.
0: Right, I know. Whoa! Whoa, Whoa! Did you do that in the now?
1: I did that in the then.
0: Oh, that's right, because now is now. Yeah, and now that is was, now, that was then, then it was then. Yeah, <laughs> mind blown. <laughs> but the the idea here is that Jesus made it clear he was going away. Yeah. And in that we will see him on the day that he returns. And here Etienne is saying that, well, you know.
1: No, Jesus it, it was away. straight up rude. No, no, he invited himself to dinner. He got up early. He didn't even show up. Yeah. And then he's like, mm. It's your fault. <laughs>
0: yeah, and you'll notice then here the way this fellow is talking. By the way, this is uh, the place where Edgar Mayer holds court. He's the uh, leader of the Lutheran, Lutheran Renewal okay. uh, out there, so trying to drag Lutheranism into the NAR. But you're going to notice here. You know, I mean, so there's Etienne. I mean, he's had all these face-to-face experiences with Jesus. How many have you had? None.
1: I must not be very I, worthy I, no, or you're holy. You're not.
0: You're not. You're not holy enough. It's
1: my fault.
0: Yeah, so if you get busy, beat making yourself. Worthy like Etienne and believing at the same level and having the same type of expectant faith as Etienne, then you too can, you know, Jesus will appear to you also.
1: And I got to get expecting.
0: Right. So you're just not expecting enough. That's kind of the (laughs) issue. So, all right. We are, you kind of get the idea. We are up on our second break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition, Or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is fightingforthefaith.com, or you can subscribe on Facebook, Facebook.com forward slash Christian. Follow me on Twitter, my name there, at Christian. Quick break. When we come back, we're going to come back down to earth a little bit. Still a twisting of God's word, though. We're going to head over to South Bay Church and listen to Andy Wood as he teaches us how Joshua is about leadership principles. Yeah, we'll be
5: right back. No itching ears are scratched here.
7: listening to Byron Christian Radio Oi Captain we got
8: ourselves a heretic
7: <laughs> y- <laughs> and exactly how do ye know that she be a heretic she be endorsing the health and wealth heresy does he be speaking the truth Jesus died to make us rich <laughs> <laughs> And what exactly do we do with heretics? Oh, we throw them in the boo box? No, no, no. We preach the gospel to them. What if, um, the heretic doesn't repent? Then we throw them in the boo box. Is to heretic. To our is to pirate. Get yourself over to www.piratechristianradio.com forward slash Refermanda and purchase yourself a copy of the game Refermanda and join the fight for the faith today.
0: We're back. Hour number two of Fighting for the Faith. Strange things done to the Word of God. All in the name of God. Let's do this right, though. Wow 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 The good, the bad and uh well the ugly, we review it all here at Fighting for the Faith. We're an equal opportunity sermon reviewing service. Today's sermon Comes to us via South Bay Church out there in the uh, South San Francisco Bay, San Jose, Silicon Valley area. Seeker driven church. Um, vision casting leader there is Andy Wood, and he's gonna do something really strange. That's the best way I can describe it. With uh, the opening to the book of Joshua and the death of Moses. I mean, did you know that it's really all about the leadership principles and stuff that's taught in that? You're thinking, no, I had no idea. No, no idea whatsoever. Not a clue. Not a clue. Well, never worry, never fear. Andy Wood will soon be here is the best way I can put it, and he's going to clear this up. And really help us understand what it means to, like, get into our promised land and stuff.
1: Oh, please, give us the inside.
0: Yeah, he, he's got the inside track, so let me go ahead and back off on the music. And without any further ado, here is Andy Wood and his sermon titled, Remarkable
8: Joshua. South, South Church. Good to see you guys today. We are continuing our Remarkable Message series. Last week we kicked it off and my remarkable wife... Did a fantastic job talking about Mother Teresa and uh, remarkable love. I'm, I'm grateful that f-
0: Yeah, um, nice. w- yeah, women are not supposed to be preaching in Christ Church and Mother Teresa um, Catholic, right? Roman Catholic. Why would- yeah, that's not I mean the job of pastors to preach the word, so it's like two strikes there.
8: Five people in this service in North San Jose thought she did a great job um, <laughs> but she killed it last week so we can show her some love for that. And today we are continuing our series in that light, talking about what does it mean for us to make a difference, to make an impact. You know, there's this... Lo- make a
0: difference? I, I thought we were called to make disciples.
8: <laughs> you know,
0: man, I am so old school here. You know, it, by the way, that's not synonymous. Um, making a difference and making disciples, two totally different things.
1: Dad, you're so out of it. I know. I Longing knows.
8: inside of the human heart for our lives, our ordinary lives, to make an extraordinary impact. And I think for all of us innately, there is a sense in which we believe we were created for something more, but life has a way of warring against that, of pushing us down, of taking away our tenacity and our joy. And today I want to continue that conversation and I want to wrestle through a question that I think you've probably asked yourself. I know I have asked myself many times and it's, do I really have what it takes do I have the gifts, the charisma, the talent, the, the spiritual background? Do I have what it takes?
0: Do, do I have what it takes to make a difference? Oh what,
1: you no, no, sorry, Dad, you don't have anything.
0: <laughs> fourth commandment, child. Fourth commandment. <laughs> Um, what yes. on earth? I mean, talk about a narcissistic focus. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to go to church to find out if I have what it takes.
1: Do they put you on like a little scale with a little needle in y- it? Yeah,
0: like, yeah, no, yeah, you've got it. You've you've got what it takes, but not you. You, oh. you, you. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, all right.
8: And for a lot of people, before we ever get to the question of what does it look like for our lives to be remarkable, we have already written ourselves off. We've already said, I, I, I really can't do it. and. We- <laughs> What does it look like,
0: you oh, know, no, yeah, you know, to make my that. life remarkable is that what christianity that's why jesus that's what Christian sanctification is to be remarkable
6: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, you know, when I was growing up, there was talk about you know sanctification, growth and holiness and stuff like this. now it's like growth and
1: our symbol, remarkableness our symbol is a guy hanging on a cross if that's not empowering, I don't know what is, you know right,
0: okay.
8: We speak death over ourselves, and a lot of times in our lives, we, we look at other people whose lives are counting. We look at other people who are making a difference, like these stories of Martin Luther King and Mother Teresa and Steve Jobs and Mark Zuckerberg. And we're like, well, well, well those lives, those
0: – Yeah, Steve Jobs. Um, <laughs> you- Technology guy who, you know, he, he basically said no to Christianity and became a Buddhist.
1: And Mark Zuckerberg, he's the Facebook guy, right? Right, yeah. yeah.
0: So, I mean, so we got St. Steve Jobs, St. Zuckerberg, St. <laughs> Mother Teresa, and St. Martin Luther King Jr.
1: Then uh, Mother Teresa invented the smartwatch.
0: Right, yeah,
8: clearly. Those lives could really change the world, but really could my life. And today I want to address the way you see yourself because your mindset as sinner in need of savior set is most likely the biggest barrier to impact the way that you see you has the potential to prevent you from stepping in to who God has created you to become. Right. Oh,
1: I get it. We should just use like a funhouse mirror that way. It changes the way I see myself.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, this is like the theological equivalent of a selfie. (laughs)
8: <laughs> I mean, this is all about me
1: Using Snapchat filters
8: Right, exactly Today I want to address the issue of capacity Strength, how you get remarkable strength Now, l- let me Right,
0: you know, that's found in the, you know, the book of
1: Book
8: of Jim
0: uh, J- Yeah, J <laughs> J J Y. Yes, yeah, book know. of Jim Yeah, okay
8: Let me share a little story with you We have a, a joke in our family I cannot stay up for movies Chick flicks are the worst I'm out in five minutes in a chick flick. I'm not kidding you. And uh, if there are blo- things being blown up, I'm good. I can stay awake for that. But we were watching a movie a couple months ago, and I, I was brought in. By the end of the movie, I'm in tears, which is unusual for me. And I'm just crying over the story because it's the story of a, a, a real life, a real person. It's the movie Joy. Any you guys ever seen that? All of our campuses look around. You watch the same movie. Spoiler alert so um, you don 't even have to watch it i 'm saving you two hours. Just think of it that way and the story about joy is a very remarkable story. Joy Mangano she grew up in long Island, New York, New York, and uh, we have a few New Yorkers here at South Bay Church and uh, she grew up there is this in the Bible
1: I have to say i I did not go to church to get a synopsis on a movie. Mm-hmm. Like that, that one guy who tells you the whole episode of something, he's that guy. And you do not like that guy.
0: Right. Okay.
8: She grew up in a, a lower income family. She struggled financially. Her parents fought a lot. And Joy was the one that held the pieces together for her family. She would have multiple jobs. She tried to keep her parents connected. And she had this strength internally that was very unique. She thought that she would eventually get out of the situation, so when she became an adult, she, she moved out of her folks' house. She got married, and she got married to this guy. They had one kid, two kids, three kids. She's thinking, well, eventually, you know, things are going to change for me, but this guy that she married turned into a loser, deadbeat dad, deadbeat husband, and he, in essence, gave up. He'd drink himself every night to the couch. He didn't work, and here is Joy holding all the pieces together she's working multiple jobs she's got this capacity and strength that is very unusual and then at the end of the movie she gets a vision to create a mop called the miracle mop some of you probably have these in your home and she started selling these mops but she encounters barriers so
0: salvation for her is the creation of the miracle mop I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This is the miracle mop story? Y- y- apparently, I mean, what? This is going to radically change my life. But <laughs> then, <laughs> okay.
8: Barrier after barrier after barrier. Nobody wants to buy her mop. She buys a bunch of stuff, loses money, and she's about to give in and give up. But finally, she gets to a place where she gets on the home shopping network and she starts selling these mops and she starts selling them to the tune of $30 million a year. As a single mom, Here's what her story did for me. It eliminated every single one of my excuses.
0: Uh, Okay. Um, Yeah, this is not a biblical story.
8: I think we we make excuses, don't we, about strength? You know, like if I had a different kid, I'd be a little bit... capacity be different. If I had a different spouse, don't elbow anybody right now. Come on. If I had a different situation, a different job, a different family, a different background. And what we see with strength is that oftentimes the very people who have strength that God uses to have remarkable strength aren't strong in spite of their circumstances. Usually they're strong because of their circumstances.
0: Yeah, but you're getting this from a movie. Wow. The Miracle Mop movie.
1: That's deep, man. (laughs) Some deep thoughts. Why
0: are you teaching something that you learned from the Miracle Mop movie as if somehow this has anything to do with Christian sanctification?
8: (laughs) (laughs) So God wants to leverage your difficulty. He wants to leverage your pain to give you remarkable strength. So, today we're going to look at the story of somebody with remarkable strength. Now, I know a lot of you want me to go local today and talk about how Barry Bonds got his remarkable strength. I thought that was pretty funny. I did.
0: Yeah, as a Dodger fan, I I don't think that's funny at all.
8: (laughs) I thought thought more people would laugh at that. We'll save that for another message. But today we're.
1: Wow, that was sad.
0: Yeah, it's.
8: We're going to talk about Joshua from the old testament of the bible.
0: Joshua now as he does this, I want you to pay attention here. There are two narratives in this sermon, two. The first narrative is the biblical text that he's reading. The second narrative has nothing to do with the first
1: (laughs) miracle mop. Yeah, well, bring it back.
0: Yeah, so we'll call that we'll call the second the miracle mop narrative. Okay, (laughs) and although he's not going to talk about the miracle mop anymore, the idea here is is that he isn't interested in telling what the story of Joshua in the opening chapters of Joshua is about. Instead, it's a. This is about the narrative that he wants to speak, that Andy Wood wants to speak. He wants to give us a narrative about changing the world, making a difference. You know, being like the miracle mop lady, and so he's going to read the story of Joshua through the lens of the other narrative.
1: I mean, he's just going to go make the the next pet rock, go be a millionaire, go.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. I. So I I got to come up with some really easy tool for you know you know you may, maybe it's a, a, like a, you know, a anti heretical shampoo I'm gonna wash <laughs> those heretics right out of my hair you know something like that and then and then sell it on the home shopping network you know and and I can be like the miracle mop lady or whatever
1: and just make yourself like a pair of like Bible earphones like anti heretic headphones uh, right
0: you know <laughs> uh, heresy canceling headphones yes that's, that's, see, that's- that'll sell.
1: Coming to a PCR store near you. Right.
0: You take them to church and people will hear just total silence.
1: Yep. It's perfect.
0: You know, from like the, the, the praise songs all the way to the end of the so-called sermon. Yeah. It'll make it so that listening to Fighting for the Faith, you'll only hear my voice. But, you know, we continue.
8: was original wor- – the original word for his name is Yeshua. When people would hear his name, they would hear Yeshua. It's also um, translated in Spanish. Jesus, Yeshua is one of the great characters of the Old Testament of the Bible, but it's impossible to fully understand Joshua's story without Moses, because Moses is arguably one of the greatest leaders to ever live.
0: Now there's the setup, okay? So we're going to talk about Moses in the sense of a leader. Now make, make a point here. Moses is the one to whom the law is given. Does the law bring us into the promised land? And the promised land, according to Hebrews, is the new earth, face-to-face with God. Is it God's law that brings us into the promised land? Of course not. No, it doesn't. So who is it, who's the name of the fellow that brings people across the Jordan into the promised land? Maybe it's Jesus. It's, it's Jesus, <laughs> right, it's a Hebrew, Yeshua. So, I mean, there's something going on here in type and shadow that is important that's telling us something about salvation, because ultimately the story of the Exodus is a picture in type and shadow of our salvation, set free from slavery to sin, death, and the devil, released by powerful acts of judgment uh, on part of God, and culminating with the uh, shedding of the blood of the Passover lamb, baptism in the Red Sea. Uh, a lifetime in the wilderness you know one generation in the wilderness and then finally crossing into the promised land it's not moses that takes him in it's joshua there's there's something really important going on in type and shadow but see he's not really interested in telling us about jesus he, he wants to talk about the importance of well the whether or not i have what it takes to make a difference so i've got a Kind of d- delve deep into my own leadership bones or whatever and and see the importance of you know foraging ahead and and you know getting something done you know you know to make a difference, but that's not what Moses was about.
3: I
1: just find it interesting when people talk about Moses as a great leader when he was very reluctant to do anything in the first place. Right, yeah. And God just kind of had to, like, drag him out there and say, nope, you're going to do this. And yeah, people yeah. are like, look at Moses, this great guy. And he's like, I don't like any of you.
0: <laughs> well, and that's that's kind of the point. Now, notice that Andy Wood has already said that apparently our view of ourselves gets in the way of of us fulfilling what God wants us to do. All right. Moses, when called by God at the burning bush, said – Send someone else, Mm -hmm. you know, talked about how he stutters, really wanted to set, you know, police. And so Moses' view of himself didn't get in the way of
8: God saying, nope.
1: (laughs) Absolutely (laughs) not. Not
8: at all. Okay, so we continue. He led 2 million people out of slavery. Come on. Actually,
0: God is the one who released them from slavery, yeah you know, because you 're thinking God, Moses was kind of like the small guy, <laughs> you know you know, and it 's like God was the one doing all the miracles
8: much. come on that 's amazing that'd be like pre civil war if somebody was a slave and they freed all the slaves and took them west of the Mississippi. This guy was remarkable in his leadership, and Joshua. Is going to come alongside, and he's going to be with Moses. Yeah,
0: you you you're kind of leaving the most important character out. God, God. Yeah, you, know, it, you know it's like, <laughs> hey, Moses and Joshua, man, oh man, no, no, God, it, it was God who did these things.
1: Can you Just, believe Moses? In fact, he was Moses.
0: Sea? Yeah, no, Moses actually didn't. God did. <laughs>
1: no, I mean, it was all, all all Moses. He took all the credit.
0: Yeah, Moses, like,
8: <laughs> see what I did here, <laughs> right? Ugh. assistant. He's the guy that's plugging Moses phone in when the batteries die in. He's carrying his water and he's, he's along for the ride. It's awesome to have a great assistant. By the way, my assistant Jasmine is phenomenal. And if you've ever had a great assistant and a bad assistant, you know, the difference between the two. Um, but Joshua is going to be thrown into leadership over the entire nation. I joked with my assistant last week and said, what if that's you? Like, I'm dead and here you're the leader. She said, I'm done. I quit day one <laughs> if that happens. And Joshua is going to be thrown into leadership to take the Israelites into the promised land. But Moses, if you look back at his, his background he 's liberated the Israelites prior to Joshua from the Egyptian army from the government that had oppressed them. they were beaten, they were mistreated as slaves and now, for f-
0: can we please give God credit for this please <laughs> Moses was amazing oh wow I, <laughs> wow I mean it was all because of his amazing power he
1: had all the, he did all those plagues you know oh, and came yeah. up with those himself
0: Moses, oh man, I mean how do I get that kind of miracle working power. <laughs> uh.
8: 40 years, they're wandering in the desert, awaiting the promise that God had given to them hundreds and hundreds of years ago, waiting for that moment that God would fulfill that promise. But for 40 years, they're circling, and Joshua is with Moses. He's with Moses when Moses goes up to the mountain of God, is called, to get the Ten Commandments and the first five books of the Bible. He's with Moses when the tabernacle is created, which is where they believe the presence of God physically resided. Joshua would go into the tabernacle with Moses. He would pray after Moses left. So he's, he's with this man almost all of the time. And now there's a moment where things are going to change. And God says to Moses, I want you to choose to put my authority that I've given to you on Joshua and send him into the promised land. Joshua was a man, not only of remarkable strength, but he was a man of remarkable faith because one time. When the Israelites were about to go into the promised land, God said to Moses, choose 12 spies and send them in and scout out the land and see if we can take it over. And 10 of the 12 spies decided they, they, they didn't think it could happen. All the giants, all the other countries, all the nations were way too big for the Israelites. But Joshua, Joshua had what we call here at South Bay, bold faith. And he believed that it could happen. So he was remarkable in many ways, but he had a moment of weakness. In fact, the moment of weakness we're going to see in Joshua chapter 1. If you have a Bible, I want to invite you to turn to Joshua chapter 1. And we're looking at the dialogue between Joshua and Moses. Or between Joshua and God after the death of Moses. There is never a moment in Joshua's life that he is more vulnerable than this moment right here. It's a beautiful conversation. We're going to peer into it. And this has been my journey recently that God has been stretching and challenging me around strength. Stacy and I just recently went from three to four kids. And that's, that's like not just man to man to zone, that's like you're in the penalty box all the time. That's what it's like. And uh, one of our, our kids that we adopt, that we foster and brought into our family, he's 17. I don't know how to parent a 17 year old. If you haven't figured out, let me know. We're making it up as we go along. It's kind of like a cross between a kid and a staff member. It's just (laughs) unbelievable. Some staff members are like a teenager, but it's, it's, it's in that realm. And we, we don't know what to do. How do you handle phones? How do you do all this stuff? So our capacity is really being stretched. And God has been speaking to me through this powerful passage of scripture. Verse 1, it says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord, said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. Now, notice that for Joshua, this is his identity. This has been who Joshua is. That's his name tag. That's his business card. Joshua, Moses' assistant. And now's the moment, it says. God speaks and he says, Moses, my servant is what? Dead. Dead. He's gone. His life is over. Now, the the funny thing about this between God and, and, and Joshua is that Joshua Joshua was there when Moses died. He was like right by him when it all happened. So now for God to be like, "Okay, Moses is dead. You're like, yeah, thank you, Captain Obvious. I understand. I already know the fact that he's dead. But God is
0: really, yeah. Th- thank you, Captain Obvious. Gosh, to God. Isn't
1: that just hilarious? Oh,
0: yeah, yeah. It's wonderful when you're that impertinent to God. Okay.
8: God is going to speak about a new era that is coming into reality. And he says, Now, after his death, therefore arise and go over this Jordan, you and all of the people, into the land that I am going to give to them, to the people of Israel. Now, what is God doing with Joshua here? Because this is a very peculiar way to start the relationship in terms of leadership. I'd rather you just give me a pep talk and send me into the promised land. Tell me I'm going to be strong. Tell me I'm the man. Give me some confidence. But God goes to Joshua's problem internally. See,
0: Um, what?
1: I don't know where he's getting that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm not seeing that in the text. So like I said, You'll notice then that there are two narratives in this sermon. The one is the biblical narrative that he's reading, and the other is the biblical, is not the biblical, but the narrative he's telling. The narrative he's telling has nothing whatsoever really to do with the narrative that he's reading. You
1: no, know, God said, go over there, and Joshua was like, that really speaks to my soul. Y-
0: yeah, no, that's not what's going on here. So, yeah. okay, so this is an example of kind of missing the forest because of the tree. (laughs) Um, So because Andy Wood has not set out to properly exegete this text, keep it within its context, and discuss what it really reveals, instead he's hijacked the text and is making it tell a different story. The story of thinking yourself significant enough to make a difference.
1: Oh, Joshua, I mean, you understand me. All of us feel that way,
0: right? Right, yeah. So we got a problem here, and it's a big one.
8: For Joshua, the biggest barrier between him and the promised land was not the Jordan River that stood between the desert and the promised land.
0: There was no barrier between him and the promised land. He was literally on his way in. Yeah, I mean, how
1: hard is that river to cross? I mean, back at the,
0: back at the time when – yeah, the Jordan is not much of a river. But uh, back at the time when uh, they sent the spies out, God said that it would be Joshua and Caleb who would go into the promised land. There was no barrier. He had his ticket. He's on his way in. So, So now we've got an you know an invisible barrier that only Andy Wood can see, but it's not even in the biblical text.
8: It was not even the skill set that Joshua would need to lead the army. He's never been an, a, a leader of the army except for one battle that we know about in the early days before he took position of leadership.
0: It, right. So apparently uh his skill set is an important factor.
8: What are you talking about? He
1: doesn't have much of a resume.
8: No, yeah. Ugh. It's not it's not a skill set that Joshua needs. It's a mindset around leadership that could prevent him from stepping into leadership. What?
0: So he suffered from a mindset regarding leadership.
1: He suffered from a bad mindset. And this
0: was a barrier to him entering the promised land?
1: (laughs) Joshua, I think you're seeing things. Yeah,
0: now you're going to notice here. This is another way of, like, messing up the text. But in this particular case, Andy Wood isn't claiming that Jesus told him this. All right? You know, that's kind of the difference now between Andy Wood and the other people. Everyone else that we've talked to or listened to is getting direct revelation. But Andy Wood is not claiming direct revelation, but what he did is he didn't start in the biblical text and ask the question, what does it mean? He started with the Miracle Mot movie, Miracle Ma! which was very motivational for him. And so now he wants to find a text that he can manipulate to talk about making a difference in the world and having a good mindset when it comes to making a difference. I wonder
1: how many seconds he spent Googling this before he found it.
0: Probably very few, (laughs) very few.
8: And the barrier for Joshua is at this point, every conversation that he has been having with God had Moses somehow mixed into it. That he looked at God through the lens of Moses. So when they would pray at the tabernacle, Moses was there. When they're on the mountain seeking God. Where does it say that Joshua did anything through the lens <laughs> of Moses?
1: I think that he's getting this mixed up with like Star Wars, you know? Yeah. Luke had, had Ben Kenobi and then suddenly Ben was gone. He's like, what do I do?
0: <laughs> yeah, the, this, is, the, this is not exegesis.
8: God, Moses is there and now Moses is gone. So the source of strength that Joshua has relied upon for his entire life is dead. No more Moses.
0: And God- no, I'm pretty sure that Joshua had faith in God, and his, the source of his strength was actually God. I mean, read the story of the 12 spies of Canaan i mean joshua is one of the fellows saying no the lord has said he's given this to us we can take it yeah yeah that he didn't say no moses my leader (laughs) you know this is yeah this is really
4: bad
8: god is saying to joshua until you deal with your barrier that's on the inside there's going to be no battle on the outside really
1: he told him to go cross the river where did he get this from
8: yeah this is
0: this is called eisegesis you stick something into the text that's not there that's
1: but, a whole paragraph yeah a lot yeah
0: so god is saying to joshua no you you got to deal with these internal things before you can go and fight a battle if that's what god was
8: saying why didn't god say it
0: Ugh, making stuff up and blaming it on god
8: no success is going to happen until you deal with what's on the inside. Sometimes it <laughs> Right.
0: Yeah. Wow, God was really upbraiding, you know, Joshua. And it, yeah, although he does, we don't get this dialogue in the Bible, nope. how how did Andy Wood come up with this? I mean, <laughs> Wow, he sees something that no one else has seen.
1: He's amazing.
8: Yeah, wow. In our lives, the biggest thing pre- from, that is preventing us from having strength is not on the outside; it's on the inside. There are right. Yeah. I
1: have ever have, have a question: Is he actually going to read any more of this text?
8: He might. You will we'll see. Because
1: <laughs> we're at like
8: verse two.
0: <laughs> yes, and all, and he's already added like a whole paragraph yep. to this text.
8: Yep. Are barriers that prevent us from stepping in to who God has called us to be, and there's a Moses in your life just as there was in Joshua's life
1: what <laughs> Dad are uh, you my Moses? no
0: <laughs> <laughs> who's my Moses? I mean <laughs> it's if my Moses is, is is the Moses that's my Moses, can he be your Moses too? but Jesus can
1: be your too
0: that's right, he can. <laughs>
1: Maybe Jesus could be your Moses as well.
0: Uh, I'm feeling ill. But wait, (laughs) Jesus doesn't have any illness.
1: Oh, no.
8: Uh, All right, moving along. There's a source of strength that you have relied upon that got you to this point but won't get you to that point. What point? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I mean, okay, so
0: I've gotten this far. Um, and who's my Moses that got me here? What are you talking
8: about? See, Joshua couldn't have gotten to the Jordan without Moses, but he wouldn't get through the Jordan with him. Uh huh.
1: So Joshua was one of the people who was freed from Israel, then, right? Yeah. So technically, he he couldn't have gotten there, you know, without being freed. Technically. But you know, on his own, if he had escaped, this is not exegesis.
0: This is make up your own stuff and stick it into the biblical text.
1: Bible madlibs, and then then God said, "You need to conquer your barriers." Yeah,
0: but you need to overcome your Moses first. (laughs) Oh no, yeah, your Moses made. You're probably your Moses needs to die.
1: Oh no, I don't. Do you have to die, Dad? I'm sorry.
8: I'm not your Moses.
1: God says it.
8: I I have to kill you. I am not your Moses. (laughs) So Moses had to die. And there are some places where you have been depending in your life, and God is saying, I'm taking that source of strength away. Here's the real question. What's your source of strength? That's the question God is asking Joshua. Is Moses who is? He he wasn't asking him anything. Oh, no, my source of power.
0: There's no question marks here. (laughs) Joshua 1, 1. (laughs) After the death of Moses, the servant of Yahweh, Yahweh said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan and all this people into the land I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon I have given to you just as I promised to Moses. Now,
1: believe it or not, he hasn't actually read that third verse. There
0: there are no question marks. He
1: hasn't even gotten that far.
0: Yeah, why is he saying that God is asking a question to Joshua? He's not asking him nothing. He's making declarative statements. (laughs) Oh, this is frustrating. Is
8: dad going to be your source of strength or am I going to be your source of strength? And this is not a one-time definitive decision that you make before God and all of a sudden you have strength for the rest of your life. It is- Joshua
0: wasn't making no decisions here about... Oh, am I going to trust God or am I going to trust Moses? You know, don't you
1: know back in the book of Deuteronomy, you know, chapter like 100 and something, it says, and then Joshua thought that Moses was more powerful than God and he couldn't overcome his own self-doubts. It's all in there. Yeah, it's, you know. yeah,
0: the, the, it's in the missing part of the
1: It's, it's of in the extended version of the Bible, right. in case you haven't yeah, read that.
0: Right, yeah, Deuteronomy, <laughs> the extended
8: cut. It is an ongoing daily decision. Where are you going to turn? Where are you going to go for the strength of That I want to give to you. Moses is gone. Your old counsel. Your old way of life. The thing you used to depend upon is dead.
0: Says no biblical text anywhere. Including
8: Joshua 1. So now. Arise. And step into this promise that I have given to my people. Now one of the things I love about God. God is pretty practical. In fact a lot of the ministry of Jesus He speaks spiritually, but he also helps us practically know how we do what he called us to do. So, God is going to actually give to Joshua a roadmap to strength, to increasing his capacity. A a roadmap to strength?
1: He sounds a little bit weird. It's like, you know, one of the things I love about God is.
0: All all right, so please show me this roadmap to strength to increase capacity. (sighs)
8: He's going to deal with his source and say, now is the time for me to give you a new source to lead the people back into the promised land. Now watch how God describes the strength, the new source that he wants to give to him and that he wants to give to you. Verse three, he says, every place that the sole of your boot steps, Every place your feet hit the ground, you will tread upon everything that you touch. I have given to you just as I have already promised to Moses, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob. Now you are stepping into that promise. Now let me ask you this question for those of you who were not English.
0: Yeah, how does that statement create a roadmap for increased capacity in my life?
1: And my question is, how does that apply to
8: me?
0: Yeah, this is so weird.
8: Majors, please be quiet at this point. But when God speaks to Joshua in this moment, is he speaking in past, present, or future tense? All three of our campuses on account count of three, is it past, present, or future? One, two, three, what is it? Okay, three people graduated from English at North San Jose. I'm sure South San Jose, you're a little bit better than that. Was it past, present, or future? It's not a trick question, y'all. I have given. Is it past, present, or future? Is past. So God is defining the thing that is in Joshua's future with language that is in the past. So God is defining the thing that is in Joshua's future with language that is in the past. And he is saying, I, I made a promise To my people hundreds of years ago that is now coming to fruition. But you can approach every battle that is in front of you as though I've already done it.
0: Yeah, every battle pertaining to the promise that God made, which kind of begs the question, what has God promised us?
1: To Joshua in this context.
0: Yeah, well, to Joshua in this context, it's about... Conquering the Promised Land, mm-hmm. but Hebrews is uh, Hebrews eleven is clear that the Promised Land always is pointing to eternal life, the heavenly Jerusalem.
8: As though I've already declared victory over your situation. Did you know that there's a difference?
0: Uh, yeah? No, this isn't about God <laughs> saying I've already declared victory over your situation. How are you getting that? I mean, talk about like not even paying attention at all. You know. <laughs> You know, I'm in all kinds of situations, and God isn't sitting there talking in the past as if I'm, I've over, you know, He's overcome my situations for me.
1: And God tells me all the time, faith, I've already given you an A on this exam, and I'm like, yes. <laughs> yeah,
0: just cross into your grade promise. I don't line. even
1: have to
8: study.
0: <laughs> no, no, no.
8: <laughs> That's how that works, right? No the difference between fighting for victory versus fighting from victory. Come on, how many of y'all have ever played on a team that sucked? You just lost every game? So
0: apparently I've got to learn how to fight from victory rather than for victory. What are you talking about?
8: You know what I'm talking about. I played for the Livonia Junior Football Orioles. We were horrible. We were like 0 and 12 three seasons in a row. We were. Will this
0: personal story from your life help me understand Joshua One?
8: We were worse than the Cleveland Browns. I mean, it was it was really bad. And uh, by the end of it, I'm like, I'm done. I just I just can't do this anymore. And w- when you're on a losing team, you play not to lose, right? It's like in the first five minutes, how can we stop this thing so we don't lose? One time I was in high school and I actually eventually got on a winning team. And I remember the first year in high school, we lost most of our games and we get back on the bus and kids would be laughing. I'm like, Ain't no laughing here. I'm like, I hate losing. So I picked up my helmet and chucked it at the back of the bus. Didn't really do me good for winning friends and influencing people, but I'm like, don't you, don't you hate to lose? Is there not anybody on this team that wants to win a game? Anybody? I want to be a part of a winning team and there's something different on a winning team versus a losing team. A winning team goes out on the field with confidence to know that they're playing from a source of victory they know they got to play right and make sure that they're focused on what's in front of them, but there is a difference. In the mindset between victory and defeat. And God is saying to Joshua. You are already victorious. So here's what I want for you as a leader. I want you to get my promises on your mind. I want you to retrain the way that you think Joshua. To start seeing my promises before every battle that you go into. So you're going to start to declare these over your life. And train yourself to see your battle through the lens of victory.
0: Where is that big motivational speech from God to Joshua? I don't see that in there.
1: It was in the uh, Israel locker rooms.
0: Right, clearly.
8: Some of you have been fighting every battle in your life from a place of defeat. And God is saying to you, actually, I have already declared it over your life. I love. There are so many promises. Declared what? Says in Scripture that we write on note cards and we we memorize them and we speak them over our lives. I'll give you a couple of mine, and then we'll put the rest of them on South Bay Church, Twitter handled this week. If you don't follow us on Twitter or Instagram, you can go there at southbaychurch.org. Shameless plug for social media. Go follow. But don't do it right now while I'm talking. Do it later, okay? So these are some of the promises that help me. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19 says this, And my God shall supply all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. That means whatever your situation is, whatever you need, you're weak, you need strength, God has it. You're anxious, you need peace, God has it. You need financial provision, God has Every need you have. So imagine the difference when you start to see this promise declared over your life. It gives you internal strength. I love this one right here. It says, his divine power, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, his divine power has Past tense, given you everything that you need for life and godliness. That means that he's already done it on your behalf. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him and he will direct your path. See, there's something so beautiful and powerful about starting your day and facing your situation with the promises of God. Stacy, in our bedroom has this mirror you,
1: <laughs> Look, if this guy This wants is to so have, off topic. No, if if he wants an entire list of verses taken out of context that he can see every single day, he can go get himself one of those cheesy verse a day Christian calendars. Yeah.
0: This I mean, none of these verses that he's ripped out of context have anything to do with Joshua chapter one, what it means, what it's pointing to, or anything like that. I mean
1: of course not. No,
0: like I said, this is this is a sermon with two narratives. One is biblical and the other is his, and his narrative keeps getting stuck into the biblical text as if the biblical text says these things that he's saying, but it doesn't.
1: That's a really long two verses.
0: Uh, Yeah, and (laughs) we need to come up with the Andy Wood translation.
8: And she's put up all these different verses of scripture. You'll see it on the screen as it comes up that she declares over her life Every day. We left the ones off to talk about how to deal with a bad husband. But she, she declares these promises over her life, and it's shifting. It's changing her mindset. God wants to get his promises on your mind. Joshua, when you see the bad... You know, this is
0: like the uh, prosperity heresy light. Same magic formula. You got to declare and get this mindset and these good things happen to you. This is the same thing. That Joel Osteen preaches, but it's kind of like the, uh, n- you know, middle class version of it <laughs> rather than, you know, shooting for the moon and, you know, looking for the prosperity and the Rolex and the, you know, and the jet plane and all that kind of stuff. We've got to get in the zone. We've we got to
1: get down the field. We've yeah. got to get the ball passed We're, 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 we're going to go for the end goal. We're going to score.
0: <laughs> yeah, and we're, we're going to do this regarding our provision. We're, we're going to fight for – we're going to fight from victory for our provision. It's like what on earth is this? It's just irritating.
8: (laughs) Through this lens, it changes the way you fight. But it's not just there. It's also continuing forth when God says it's, it's more than just your mindset. He finally says, every place that you set your foot, you will be victorious. He tells him where it's all going to happen, the different places. That is the same promise he gave to Abraham.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure that God was actually referring to Joshua's physical feet.
8: Yeah.
1: Do you want to read any of that, by the way? Or did you just want to give us a paraphrase?
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was referring to his actual physical feet.
8: (laughs) Hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And then in verse 5, he says, no man... Shall be able to stand before...
0: You skipped verses. Now he skipped verses.
8: (laughs) They're too
1: boring.
0: Yeah. Oh, man. So verse 3. Every place (laughs) that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I will give to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates... All the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. I think he missed that part. I know
1: why he did, though. It's because he's like, oh, no, there's a finite line the, as to how far the, that's going is, to work. This is
0: actually pointing to something <laughs> real and tangible in human history. I'm
1: going to take over the Euphrates? Yeah.
0: You didn't know that? Whoa. Yeah, I'm going to send you to Iraq, honey, You know, because <laughs> you're going to take over the Euphrates. That'll show it's ISIS. my dream destiny Yeah, that
1: Jesus just told me.
0: Clearly. Okay, let's
4: continue.
8: For you all the days of your life, there is no battle that you will go into that I will not give you the power and strength To be victorious. And then he describes how this is going to happen. He says, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. I am going to lead you into this land. My presence is upon you. And he's helping Joshua understand the difference between doing life and fighting and doing battle for God versus doing battle with God. Uh,
0: yeah, it's, it's, it, it's not even lucid. You know, it's, it, it makes sense in his mind, but it just doesn't make any sense.
8: Uh. I want you to see it and know that the same way I was with Moses when he went up on the mountain and my presence came down, I'm with you. The same way I was with the people of God when Moses was leading the nation through the wilderness and the presence, the fire by night and the smoke by day. I'm with you I will lead you my presence will not forsake you and if you understand your situation through this lens there's a new power that you're going to experience recently um, my son has been bullied at school and um, his name is Gabriel goes to Frost Elementary School (laughs) any of you know him? this kid pushed my son in the trash can I know it's not funny it's not cool and um, so my son told me about this. I'm like, okay, what can I do about it legally <laughs> and not end up on the news? So I saw the kid at school and came and looks at me and he goes, that's him. That's the kid. And so I'm like, okay, where are the cameras around here? I'm looking around for the cameras, trying to figure out, can I shove him in a trash can? let him. But then God kind of checked me. And I said, okay, how can I, how can I change the perspective? So I went to Gabriel and I said, hey, Gabriel. I'm Cademan's dad. You know Cademan? He's like, yeah, I know Cademan. He kind of smiles. I'm like, he's an amazing kid, isn't he? He doesn't want to disagree with me. So he like, yeah, he's an amazing kid. I'm like, that's right. He's amazing. He is. He's amazing. I said, you want to play basketball against me? Like, you go find anybody. We'll play ball. Me and Cademan, we'll be on the same team against you two. All right? He's like, okay. So we go out there. And I'm, I'm thinking Billy Madison, dodgeball. <laughs> Remember that? Remember that? I'm like, oh, I am not letting this kid score a bucket. So we started the game, and I'm like, get that out of my house, fool. You can't, you can't stop. I'm like, I should have worn my Jordans for this one. I'm like, I'm just throwing it down. And then this is an elementary school kid.
1: So he's picking a fight with like a seven year old, real grown up
0: yeah this isn't helping me understand joshua one at all <laughs> i'm learning a lot about andy wood though yeah oh, is
1: that what we were talking about
0: yeah Dibal, right yeah yeah we're talking about andy wood apparently and his son being bullied by this kid on
8: the offensive side every time we go down the court i get i'd like box out i'd have the ball and then i give it to Cayman. he's just bucket after bucket after bucket after but we're like 15-0 just destroyed him just destroyed him I looked at the kid, and he finally, like, exhausted. And he says, hey, can Cademan be on my team? I'm like, ah, I got him. That's exactly what I wanted to happen. And I saw in Cademan his confidence grow because his dad was on the court with him. See, something shifts when you understand that the presence of God is with you. You can go into – something shifts.
1: Because his dad was on the court. Not because his dad was helping him smash the 7-year-old, which sends – Great messages to your, ch- your kids, by the way.
0: Yeah, I'm wondering if this is legal in, uh, in, in that legal. county. Any- it's
8: not very dignified. Okay. That meeting on Monday, and I know you want to chuck the water bottle at her face, and you are so sick of her, but the presence of God can give you the self-control that you need. You, you can finish up the day, and you can't, you can't get your kids to obey you. Or you're trying to get that teen- teenager out of bed. You know that the presence of God can give you what you need in that moment. To stand strong. There are so many situations over our lives. That we forget. Or maybe we've never even seen the reality. Of how God's presence can strengthen us. In that moment. I know you're, you're in school. And you've got assignments. And you've got that teacher breathing down your next student. But did you know that the presence and power of God. Can strengthen you. He's never left you. He's never forsake you. He's for you. And he wants his presence to be in your heart. To fuel you to fortify you internally to give you strength that you don't have. The God of the universe is available in this moment to give you strength to fight the battles that are in front of you. And some of us are so reliant upon our strength, upon our ability and our power. I was sitting in a spiritual director's office a couple months ago, and it's like counseling for pastors. And so I'm there, and she's a very wise woman. She's in her mid-60s. And she's given me some counsel. She's been through my season of life. And I just looked at her. I'm like, I'm exhausted. I don't have what it takes. I'm, my strength is gone. And I feel like I just don't have what it takes at home. I don't have what it takes at work. There are all these responsibilities. And Spiritual counselor.
1: He just needs God to be on his basketball team.
0: So we're now in therapy with him at this point. Okay. Mm-hmm.
8: I'm trying to work for God. I'm trying to do these things he wants me to do. And I'm exhausted by it. And she looks over at me and she goes, Might I suggest a different mindset for you? What if you switched the way that you see it and instead of working for God, you started working with God? In every battle that you went into, you went into with the knowledge that He's right there in that moment with you. There's something different about doing life for God versus doing life with God. See, when you're doing life for God, it feels like slavery.
0: Uh, yeah, and that's a total confusion of
8: law and gospel. But when you're doing life with God, there is a strength that can fuel you. Joshua, I am with you. The same way that I was with Moses, I will be with you. So get my presence in your heart. Get my promises on your mind. Get my presence in your heart. But finally, there's one more thing that we have.
0: Get my presences in your heart. Yeah, so this is
8: okay. You have to look at that is so crucial for you because you're not going to be able to lead without it. And verse six, he says, be strong and very courageous. Verse seven, excuse me. Be careful to do according to the law all that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Now, I gave all these precepts, which are my laws and principles for the nation of Israel to follow. And all he had at this point was the first five books of the Bible that Moses had written. And he's saying, I want you To live in such a way that you do not depart from this book of the law, to the right or to the left. Do not turn from it.
0: And ironically, yeah, um, Andy Wood is doing that by twisting it.
8: Yep. That you might be successful in everything you do. If you anchor yourself in my word, you will be successful. There's power and authority and strength. We believe... That this is God's word from the beginning to the end, Genesis to Revelation. And now we have all these truths and all these precepts that God wants to use to guide our lives on a daily basis. And God is saying to Joshua, that's your anchor. That's your source. It's my presence and it's also my precepts that I want to guide you. But you have to understand, Joshua, in order for this to come to fruition in your life, there's one more thing about it. He says this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth.
0: Yeah, but when you add things to God's word like you have been doing, Andy, God's word has a tendency to depart from our mouths. Yeah. Yeah, cuz and it, the average person listening to your sermon would think that God's word is a whole bunch of stuff that it isn't.
8: Right. He says this book of the law shall not leave your lips. In fact, you shall meditate on it day and night so that you might be careful to do everything written in it. It's a-
0: Yeah, careful to do everything written in it.
1: And we all know how faithful those Israelites were, right?
0: right? Right. And Andy Wood here is like not doing, he's not being faithful, paying attention to the things in
8: the text. He's adding stuff to it. It's important to have it on your mind. It's important to have it in the way that you view your life, but you have to get to a place where you speak it over your situation.
1: Oh, was, was, was that in there? I didn't see that in my Bible. I
0: didn't see that He's
8: adding stuff all up in here. Did you know that when it comes to capacity, so many of us have been speaking death over our situation? What?
1: Speaking death?
0: death because oh, it, death. Know, yeah yeah okay. you you've, apparently you've been
8: speaking death over your capacity.
1: Oh yeah, I speak death all the time. Right? Over
8: your capacity, yeah. Yeah. And we are taking away our strength that God wants to give to us simply by our words. Pay attention to your words this week. And see how many times we declare over our situation it won't find out. I-. I
0: told you this is word of faith heresy <laughs> light, you know. This is same thing, but we're not shooting for a Maserati and a private jet. We're just looking for provision.
1: You gotta speak it, speak it, speak out. it man.
0: You gotta decree, declare, say the
1: word, man. <sighs> I
8: had a different job and a different boss, and I didn't work for this company. I was just, I was, would, I was, would, you know, you know what I'm talking about. I can't believe they're not doing coconut water at this company. So. If I had a boss that cared about me, if I had a spouse that wasn't so naggy, if I had a kid, my kid would do this, and if I my teacher wouldn't do that. Blah, 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 blah. And we're constantly speaking death. The Bible says there is power of life and death over our, over our lives, in the tongue. So when you speak death over your situation, what do you get? You get death. This is magic.
0: This is not <laughs> biblical teaching.
1: Quick roll a die 20.
0: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> See if your not, words worked. Uh, nonsense.
8: But when you start with God's help to speak his life over your situation, I know it might be bad, I know my marriage might not be what it will be one day, but I believe that the God of the universe can fortify me internally, and the same grace that God gave to me at the moment of salvation, he can deposit into this relationship, and I can learn to love my wife as Christ loved the church and give myself up for her, so that's who I am, I know that I might lose my temper sometimes with my kids, but God says he will keep in perfect peace those whose minds and hearts are steadfast on him, so he's going to Keep me in peace, and he's going to give me what I need in this situation. This is
0: Joel Osteen's theology. Wow.
8: And when I start to declare God's precepts with my lips, it changes my perspective, and it leads me to this place of greater power and greater strength over my life.
0: Yeah, I mean, Gandalf and Sauron and <laughs> Saruman would agree, apparently. Every person who lived... I-, I think we're listening to a lecture at Hogwarts at and this Dumbledore. point. Yeah, Dumbledore
8: would believe this with remarkable strength, had challenges like you do. Every person who God used in significant ways had excuses and reasons why God shouldn't use their life. They had past brokenness, They had horrible setbacks. They had obstacles to overcome. They had enemies in the land. And all of these were reasons why God shouldn't use their life. But somehow in this moment, as God is speaking to Joshua, with all these giants in the land, this principle is so true for you and I today that we can... Principle? What principle? ...start to speak God's promises and his precepts over our lives and things begin to shift. And when you get... Where does it say
0: that Joshua began to speak these promises and things began to shift so that made it possible for him to go over into the promised land?
1: It's in verse 20 of chapter Uh, (laughs) 1.
0: That ends at 19.
8: (laughs) His promises on your mind, and you retrain your brain, and you get his presence in your heart. I know y'all like it when I make everything alliterate. That's what pastors do all week. When you get his promises on your mind, You get his presence in your heart. When you get his precepts on your lips, then you get his power in your life. That's when you do. Mm,
0: I think he's trying his
8: hand at the spoken word thing. No,
1: it sounds like a really bad poetry slam, except I'm not snapping.
8: Okay. I wonder if we could say that together, if you could throw it up on the screen. Oh, no. When you get God's (laughs) promises, I'm noticing we're a little bit behind. Precepts on your lips. You got oh, he's going to start snapping, isn't he?
1: No. Got that.
8: Now throw up the last point. Thank you so much. Amazing production team for all the work that you guys do. Go to that last point when you get God's promises on your mind. Let's start again now. is there all three of our campuses. God's promises on your mind. His presence in your heart. His precepts in your lips leads to his power in your life. Um...
1: What are the hand motions for that so I can follow along?
0: Wow. that is not, uh, uh, has nothing to do with Joshua chapter 1. Let's
1: all chant together to make it true.
0: Like I said, this is um, a different narrative. There are two narratives in this sermon, and one is not biblical. That's
8: the truth that we need today. No, it's not because it's not <laughs> the truth. That God wants to give you strength. And he says to Joshua, then you will make your way prosperous when all this has happened. When you have all of these working together in your life, that's where your strength. You
0: notice we're not hearing anything about Jesus, no. law, gospel, sin, grace, repentance, forgiveness of sins. Nothing. Nothing like that. You got
1: to do. You got to. Yeah, yeah this, is, gotta. this is
0: all law motivational pep talk yeah. and totally different story than what's actually in the biblical text.
8: Well, come and some of you today, you feel like God has given up on you. You feel like he left you, and you don't have that power. And you're, you're wondering if you should quit, if you should give up on following him, if you should give up on making a difference, if you should give up.
0: We're called to make disciples, not a difference. On your, on your
1: I think I'm going to give up on making a difference.
0: <laughs> Tell that to
8: Fluffy. Gary
1: Sunshine wanted to send me to Israel to cross
8: my Jordans. Situation, and God is saying today, the promises that I've made to you have not failed you. My presence and precepts, they're not unfaithful. I've always been faithful, but my promises are not guaranteed. You have to make...
1: <laughs> what?
0: What?
8: <laughs> what? So a
0: promise is not a guarantee. I thought... Wow. <laughs> oh. That is... Wow. A promise is a promise. The law is not a promise. The promise is...
1: That's to the that, you know, promise is a maybe... Sounds like a song.
8: Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Let me back that up. But my promises are not guaranteed. You have to make a choice to step into my promises. In fact, Joshua, when you go into the promised land, you're going to have to pick up an axe. You're going to have to cross the Jordan. You're going to have to get a bow and you're going to have to fight a little bit. But if you get my precepts, if you get my promise, if you get my truth. Yeah, this is all law.
0: There is no gospel wow. here. Wow. Truth in
8: my presence, you will be fortified to live as I have called you to live. And I love at the end, Yeshua, Joshua, at the end of his life, in chapter 24, he did it. And his moment came. His what?
1: His moment came.
0: He, he, was this an award ceremony? It was his now. So he got, a, he got an Oscar in the now.
8: <laughs> okay. When his life was over, just like Moses' moment came, just like your moment is going to come. Okay, the moment of death. Oh. And he says this, the Bible says this in verse 29. After these things, Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord. Notice how his identity has changed. It's no longer Moses' assistant. It's the servant of the Lord. In fact, he died being 110 years old, and they buried him in his own inheritance at Timnath Sarah, which is the hill country of Ephraim, north of the mountain of Gash. And Israel, listen to this, Israel served the Lord all the days of Yeshua, can we say it together? Yeshua. Israel served the days of the Lord, served God all the days of Yeshua. In fact, all the days of the elder who outlived Yeshua and all who had known all the work the Lord did for the nation of Israel. He fulfilled the promise. And all the promises of God became a... Rec-
0: Cue sappy music. <laughs> this is an emotional manipulation technique oh, there designed to create the false impression. The God of the Holy Spirit is now descending... On the audience, pr- apparently trying to get them to make the decision to, you know, speak and declare these promises so that they can make a difference. The
1: promise isn't a sure thing.
0: But it's not, unless yeah. Unless
1: you make you choice. You,
0: yeah, that's right. You know.
8: Became a reality. The one that they had been waiting for for 500 years became a reality through this man named Joshua. God led the people into the promised land through a savior. That's what that name means. It means savior. They'd been waiting for a Savior. Their Savior had come.
0: Uh, is he going to make a segue into talking about our Yeshua?
1: Every time he says Yeshua, I'm like, oh, you're so So close. It, So here comes
0: like the obligatory, you know, nod to Jesus. You know? <laughs> we're not going to make him the main point of his sermon. Yes, you do. As we're wrapping up, we'll say something about Jesus.
8: But, you know, the story really isn't about that Yeshua. Right. The story is about another Yeshua who would come. And he would be the one. In fact, Jesus, the Son of God, same name as Joshua, would come so that all the promises of God could become a reality in your life, not just physically.
0: What? I thought Jesus came to die for our sins. It's
1: going to be a reality in your life. To take us
0: into the real promised land, eternal (laughs) life in the new earth. Man,
8: not just so that you could have better fruit and live in a land filled with milk and honey, but so that you could know God and all the spiritual realities of God's presence and his promises could come to fruition in your life.
0: What is he talking about? Nonsense. I feel like I'm being
8: sold something that doesn't work. <laughs> so Jesus would come and he would give his life on a cross for the sins of the world. He would conquer the grave and come forth victoriously. And scripture says in Second Corinthians chapter. One, I think y'all will love this. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, as surely as God is faithful. This is not on the screen. Just listen to it. Our word to you has not been yes and no. For the son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaimed among you, Silvanus and Timothy and I, it was not yes and no. It was in him always a yes. For all the promises of God find their fulfillment in him, Jesus Christ, Yeshua. Who- so what
0: promises are we talking about here? The vague promises that God's going to fight my battles and i need to fight from victory not for victory i mean what are you talking about I need
1: to go play a basketball game against an elementary school kid
0: yeah i mean that talk about fighting you know you're
8: competing from victory jesus yeah.
1: will be my number two
0: yeah
8: who has come and that is why through him we utter our amen to the glory of god all the promises of God are available to you because of a cross, because of an empty tomb. You don't What promises? Because of the cross, Christ died for my sins. <laughs> you don't have to live from a place of defeat anymore. You can live from a place of victory. And God will take your weakness and give you his strength. But you got to give him your weakness. You got to say, I can't do it on my own. I need you. I need you. Drum.
0: Yeah, he's prophetically drumming there. Sounds a little offbeat to me.
8: I need your power. I need your authority. I need your grace. I need your strength. See, some of you, you're you're, you're coming to church, and we're so glad you're here. And but this is new to you. You've never received God. Oh,
0: I've been to church my whole life. This is new to me.
8: God's grace into your life today can be that day of salvation. What are they being saved from exactly? <laughs> Bad
3: drumming.
0: Yeah.
8: That all of what God wants to do in your life begins.
3: You know, yeah. <gasps> the
8: empty tomb is the declaration over your life that God is for you and not against you. And by grace through faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ, you can be saved today. You can. Saved from what?
1: It's, it's just. It's- he says the words and they have no meaning.
8: You can step across that line of salvation to receive God's grace into your life. So if that's you in this moment... Receive his grace for what? But I want to extend an invitation for you to receive Jesus, his salvation into your life, Yeshua, that he would come and the promises of God would become a reality. So with every eye closed and every head... Done. Done.
0: Oh, that was painful. Wow. I
8: mean, that wasn't even...
0: We didn't even get a real gospel nugget there. I mean, he did... Say something about Jesus dying. Grace
1: for what? <laughs> yeah,
0: grace so that you can make a difference. So, oh, you know, gosh. something like that. And you'll notice law, 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 law. And, the, and you get just a tiny little gospel sprinkle at the end. And then that's like flicked off of it. You know, take it away <laughs> because th- now we're focusing in on some vague, obscure off promises so that you can fulfill you, and you expand your capacity, but your
1: promises—they're not—they're not a sure thing, you know.
0: No, no, you gotta do the thing f- yep. to get the thing.
1: Yeah, wow, it's a lame promise.
0: <sighs> <laughs> and all of that because he wasn't actually exegeting a text. <laughs> he was—he started off with his own narrative, and and his narrative, what was driving the message. And the Bible was brought alongside to make it look like the narrative that he was spinning was the actual, nar- you know, a biblical teaching. It and should it be wasn't. called
1: Joshua and the Miracle Mop.
0: Right. <laughs> I might end up calling this episode that. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, there you go. Now you've seen what I do every day.
1: Here. Oh, gosh. I don't know how you do that every single day. I think that I would go insane.
0: And I'm, do you, So, you don't think I am yet? <laughs> It's, no, no, you I, know I, I think I, you're crazy. I've got her. I've got the wool pulled over her eyes. <laughs> All right. So uh, we're at the end of another episode of Fighting uh, for the Faith. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there at hire Christian. Till tomorrow, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ, vicarious death on the cross. For all of your sins, amen.